for Greg Carrasco. Kick it. Whoa, it's the Greg Carrasco show. Get this party on the road. How fast can this light go? Whoa, yeah. Celebrity guests from the East Coast to the West. Who knows who he has next? At Greg Carrasco, trending Twitter like a bomb. Tens of thousands on his lawn. He's even followed by your mom. What? Broadcasting live, here is your warning. The topics are flowing every Saturday morning. Car talk like Sherlock, the guy knows wheels like a Dow stock. Movie talk on a boardwalk, shoot facts like a tomahawk. So entertaining, turn up the station. There's no more waiting, the show is beginning. It's too late to escape, let's go. Here's your host, Greg. Every day, a gentleman walking into the store by the name of Mitch Silverstein, CA, founding partner of SBLR accounting firm, I guess. That's who they are. Chartered accounts. And he says, will you give me a plug? I've been buying you for five years. His son, Brandon, walked in and he says he was finally thrilled to meet me, the great Corey's men's clothing store. So he brought his young son in and eventually his son will come in and buy too. That's what we built. Father, son, grandfathers, it's all part of the business. And when he, he bought basically our Roberto suits looked after by Jerry Baker because he knows it's the best deal in the country. And he says, good CA and a good partner. And you can do the same thing. When you come in here and buy those suits at two for seven ninety eight or two for eight ninety eight if you're size 48 to 54. Made in Canada, the best. And if you don't want to buy that, go up and buy a boss suit. They're on sale. Go buy a Canale. Buy anything you would like. The heat is so hot, but this is good. I keep telling people, buy shirts for Christmas. 15, 30 off, some at half, put them away. Corey's ready for you in out of Greektown. 569 Dan 4th Avenue, That right there was one of the biggest radio legends in Southern Ontario. Uh, radio lost a big one this week, Ken. Uh, you know, Sol Corman passed away uh, this week, and um, you know, also known as the Duke of the Danforth. Um, he was the owner of uh, Corey's Clothiers on, on the Danforth, and uh, you know, he dedicated his entire life to promote his store and and that beloved Danforth of his. Uh, he was 86, I believe, and he he passed on at the beginning of this week. My thoughts go out to his family and uh, everyone that ever did business with him. You know, one of the biggest mistakes that we make in our lives is to, you know, glide through it thinking that we have time. We don't. We don't have time. You know, we need to we need to live our lives ferociously. I was talking to my um you know, one of my sales, you know, she became a pretty good friend of mine and um, one of my first radio sales reps, Susanna Terrian, and um, this was about a week and a half ago or so, we were talking and uh, Saul was a common friend of ours. And uh, I said to her, you know, I, I got to give him a call. I haven't spoken to him in a couple of weeks and uh, I wonder how he's doing. And uh, I meant to call Saul and next thing I know, I get the phone call that he had passed on and it was just like, what? How how does this happen? Um, but... You know, I, um, the man was such an important person in my life. When I started my radio career about 16 years ago, and I started to, um, you know, to broadcast an expert hour, you know, the Greg Carrasco expert hour in automotive, uh, he became a fan of the show. So he would listen to the show every single Saturday, and he would call me on the way to the office afterwards and give me his input. You know, you should do this and you should do that. And in after the years passed, uh, you know, he, you know, he would just ultimately calling to compliment what we were doing on the show 
but uh, you know taken he was a he was an early mentor of mine on the radio and uh, uh he was also an inspiration so again uh, you know i wanted to take this a few minutes to send Saul wherever he is a big hug man and uh, he was a general all around badass the radio lost a big one this week and uh, you will be sadly sadly missed uh we love you Saul and uh, you know rest in peace you're listening to the Greg Carrasco show here with my friend Ken Stapen. We are Canada's largest automotive radio show. How are you, Ken? Doing well this morning. Uh, obviously, tough news from Saul, um, as you mentioned, a legend of the broadcasting community in Toronto, and you know that's my neighborhood actually, on the Danforth, and people will remember his men's store, Corey's, which has been a fixture, I believe, since the 1950s. So a very successful entrepreneur in his own right as well. So. I think it's almost 70 years that he had that store. He, uh, he moved from Montreal and uh, he started the, the, um, the store with his dad back in, back in the 40s or 50s or something. And, and he's been there ever since. Uh, but, uh, I mean, the man, that's all he did. Just talk about his friends and the stores around the neighborhood. And boom, he, he made one of the, uh, he, you know, he redefined, uh, you know, men's clothing stores uh, for me anyways. Because um, I remember when, whenever I started made, making a little bit of serious money and got into management and whatever and I wanted to look good. Uh, he was the one that I went to. So, you know, I took my first visual signatures, you know, my first visual cues from, from Saul, and he used to dress me. <laughs> this was in the uh, early 2000s, which is crazy. Uh, you know, but then again, the city has grown so much, and, uh, you know, he, if anyone ever wanted to go to that side of the city, you know, Saul was the man. And on the other side of the city, you had the uh, the folk of Bla Blazer for Men, which is where I shop now. And whenever I could make it down to Saul, I would go and visit him. But it was more of a, that was a personal visit. He had a super cool office. And, uh, you know, there's a bunch of pictures of his office uh, on my Instagram account, <laughs> you know, with all sorts of celebrities. There are hundreds and hundreds of pictures on that wall. And I always wanted to have an office like that. But, you know, what are you going to do? Um, you know, I, uh, it's, it's been an interesting week. Uh, the, the end of January uh, was, uh, was exciting. Um, at the store, Ken, we, um, we beat sales from last year, man. We, in the middle of a lockdown, we're selling more cars than we did before the lockdown in the year 2020. Isn't so that this strange? is a, This is a, one of those a, trends that we've really been following since, really, since the beginning of the lockdown in March. And I know initially, the automotive business in particular took a big hit, but it seems like now people are wanting to be more cautious and have their own control over transportation, and they feel much more comfortable being able to get into their own car and drive their, by themselves and keep their circle tight, which has ultimately led to a spike in car sales, both used well, and new. I Yes, but... Uh... It's not for everyone. <laughs> so Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity have managed to buck the trend, and uh, we are up in sales. Uh, in the on our Infinity store, we uh, we more than double uh, our sales from last year. And Nissan was also up. Um, you know, we I think that we were the second largest import retailer in the town of Oakville, which is unusual because I mean traditionally you match your market share, and. Um, Oakville Nissan uh, is putting forward some crazy efforts that seem to be resonating in southern Ontario, which is great. So a couple of things that are happening at the store and this, you know, before we go into um, into our guests and, and, and development of the show. And by the way, if you want to call us, 416-870-1050. And if you're calling from out of town, it's one 591 
6876. For the month of February, um, what we're doing for you is the following. If you're driving a, a Nissan right now, you know, if you're driving around and you have a Nissan and you have up to 18 months left in your lease, if you come and see me at Oakville Nissan, we can literally just get you out of that lease and put you into a new one. So up to 18 months. So if you want to change the color, if you want to change the car, if you want something bigger, something smaller, something more reasonable, whatever it is that you want to change into, and you have up to 18 months left in your lease, you need to make it down to Oakville Nissan and we will help you out with that. Number two, if you're looking at buying a, any 2021 luxury vehicle and you consider Oakville Infinity, we will make your first three payments. This is unheard of in the luxury vehicle market. You know, it doesn't happen. So right now, we, we'll give you three payments on us if you lease or finance any 2021 Infinity product. And uh, for those of you that are driving Acura RDXs, Lincoln Navigator, or Cadillac Escalades, we will give you up to $1,500 cash incentive for you to switch up simply because you drive one of those three cars. This is also not something that has ever been done before. Uh, now, if you drive in a vehicle, whatever brand, you know, you know, you, you have a vehicle in your house and you need to do service and you choose either Oakville Nissan or Oakville Infinity, we will pay your tax. So for the month of February, pay no HST at Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity. We have a state-of-the-art facility. We will look after you. And you're going to remember this, folks, that we are, times are pretty rough out there. So Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity, we, we understand that uh, we need to step it up and uh, we need to get you back. So we got your back, fam. You know, we got your back. If you, find, if, if you have to service a vehicle anywhere and you come down and see us, Book your appointment online or call us so there is you know, time and a place for you at the store because the lockdown is still on in, in effect. Uh, we will pay for your HST so there is no need to pay taxes for the month of February when you service your vehicle and you come and see me at Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity. Let's take a small break and we have a bunch of uh, important guests coming down the pipeline, uh, Ken, and um, we will be right back after, the, after this short break. Thank you. Welcome back, Slackers. Slacker Nation is us. Live right now, every Saturday morning here on TSN 1050 with my friend Ken Stapen. This is the Greg Carrasco Show, Canada's largest automotive radio show. And, uh, you know, we're trying out this new system, Ken. I, um, and the, uh, my broadcasting board was extricated, was pulled from my house. So I was, again, every time my, uh, my cheese is moved, I have full-on panic attacks. <laughs> So it seems to be working okay right now, no? Yeah, so far so good. No technical issues, which is always uh, a breath of fresh air. I know when we change things, it can be a little bit unsettling, both for you on that side and for us on this side, just making sure that the every all the connections are going to work correctly. But seems to be so far so good. So we'll uh, keep our fingers crossed and hopefully no issues as we move through the show here. You know, as um, as many of you that have followed my career for the last what twenty seven or so years know that I um, I started my career after the Canadian Army on um, working at four hundred one Dixon Nissan. I I stayed there for almost twenty years. So my first vehicle sold ever was a um, nineteen ninety two Nissan Hustler. That's what they were called back in the day. They've changed the name now to Frontiers, but uh, <laughs> I can't imagine I why. <laughs> it was um, it was red. It was a manual transmission, 
And the name of the customer was Gerard Bastaracci. He was this old French dude. And uh, yeah, that was my first sale ever. And uh, the Frontier has always occupied a pretty, uh, or the Hustler in, in this case, has always occupied a pretty important place in my heart. And Nissan Canada has some crazy announcement this week. Um, we are um, re-injecting some new life into two, you know, I would say staples of, of the Nissan brand. And, um, you know, who best to describe or to tell us what is happening with Nissan Canada than the president himself, Steve Millet. Steve, thank you for coming to the show, man. Hey, good morning, Greg. How are you? I'm, you know, I, I can't deny the fact that I'm super excited. You know, I um, uh, as I was prepping for the show this morning, I was looking at some videos and uh, uh, some reviews on the uh, on the new releases that you guys just announced a couple of days ago. And uh, the, the only thing I can say to you is that I cannot wait. Can you share with the public uh, what uh, what's coming down the pipeline with Nissan Canada? I, I can. Uh, first of all, thanks for having me. Um, certainly, this was a big week for us. Um, that that reveal uh, that that you speak of, where we uh, we launched the Pathfinder and the Frontier. Um, I had shivers. Like it was, uh, it, it was it was a great reveal, a great show. But really, it brought back the heritage of Nissan, right? For those two products specifically. Um, and as we've shared before, right, we're on this transformation plan that we call Nissan Next at the at the global level. Um, these are two of these products. You know, when we when we talk of ten new products in twenty months, uh, these are very much part of that transformation of Nissan. So. Uh, very excited um, about Pathfinder and uh, and Frontier, both beautiful uh, in terms of design, uh, in terms of, of uh, taking that heritage uh, from our, our rich history of, uh, of trucks as well as SUVs in Canada. So uh, we are you know, very much looking forward to it. One of the things that uh, I remember selling was you know, Pathfinder's Coupe, <laughs> they, they had, it was a two-door, uh, four-by-four back in the early 90s. And I, I think that Nissan introduced the Pathfinder back in 1987. And, uh, you know, as the progression of the, of, of the uh, institution, because the Pathfinder was a bit of an institution, um, is, it evolved into something that was a little bit more of a softer crossover. But, uh, you know, this new iteration of the new Pathfinder, folks, if, if you're listening to the show right now, and you, you need to do this for yourself. Punch in 2022 Nissan Pathfinder. It's going to blow your mind away. But one of the things that I noticed, Steve, is that we're going back to that, you know, more angular, square roots of that Pathfinder of the 80s and early 90s. Um, you know, that is, is significantly more aggressive than the previous generation. Why do you think that uh, Nissan chose to take this approach with the new Pathfinder? Well, it, it was time for us to, to break through. And I, I think this whole going back to our heritage, as you described, uh, where we were bold and rugged, um, that is definitely coming through, right? In that in that product reveal, uh, when mm -hmm. your viewers watch the watch the show, like you'll see the uh, the one you can pick up from the dealership, and the one that's accessorized for heavy duty off road capabilities. I mean, this is what uh, this vehicle can do for you. Um, so very adventure ready, uh, family focused. Um, it's it's where we need to be. So yes, it is bold, it is rugged, it's a little more boxy. I would say a little more masculine in terms of its lines. Uh, but you know, just uh, just a beautiful design, and 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 here we speak of the outside, but the interior is even more so um, beautiful in in terms of where it's coming from uh, to to where it's going. It's just a, a very modern, uh, yet fits extremely well with this bold and and rugged exterior. You know, two of the things that uh, I need to mention because I was super excited. And the number one, 
that we kept the 3.5 naturally aspirated VQ engine series engine, but also that uh, the CVT is gone for the Pathfinder, and now we are introducing um, a nine-speed automatic transmission that, according to all the reviews, is going to improve the power delivery and the fuel consumption on a vehicle that size. And uh, also, the, the towing capacity of 6,000 pounds is, uh, is, is right up there with best-in-class, which I'm super, super excited about. But, uh, you know, the Frontier... <laughs> the Frontier has been around for a very, very long time. I think that the last model lasted for almost nine years. So this thing was due for a redesign. And if I may say, you guys knocked it out of the park. Can you tell you know, the audience here a little bit more about the new uh, Frontier and uh, when should you know, we should be expecting it on showrooms? Well, it's going to be uh, a little later this year, so let's call it late summer. Uh, but but you're right. It is uh, over 60 years of, of truck heritage. Uh, the previous model uh, it had been updated, but uh, its origins were were quite dated. So the the new one, as you say, it is uh, it will quickly become a uh, a favorite for Canadians in terms of that compact uh, pickup truck segment, which by the way is a very fast growing uh, segment of the industry. Um, and so our timing is just perfect for that uh, that launch. Obviously, we're we're launching this uh, with a much. Um, it's all new. It's rugged exterior designs. Um, it, uh, it 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 really is the right size pickup uh, for someone that uh, you know in the work week they may have to go work into the city uh, or a more urban environment. But then you know on the weekends uh, you want to you want to pull your toys. Uh, mm-hmm. or go to the cottage. I mean, it's, it's, it's a very, very versatile pickup truck, so it looks rugged. Again, it's bold. Uh, it's a beautiful design, um, and it's also uh, very modern in terms of its interior. If, uh, once again, when you, when you Google the Frontier 2022 and you see the interior shot, it's, uh, it's, it's a very beautiful truck. Yeah, it's, it's absolutely stunning, and I, you know, I, and I will say the same thing to you folks. If you are in the marketplace for a compact pickup truck and you have been driving or you had a frontier in the past you owe it to yourself and and, and punch in look at look it up in google 2022 the new nissan frontier you know steve a question for you we keep hearing this word next you know nissan next year next there what does that mean what is nissan next you know it's a uh, it's it's a brand plan it's it's the name that we've given ourselves to our midterm plan essentially so uh, from the time it was launched to who we want to be in three to four years, uh, we execute on this next transformation plan. So essentially, it's the name that we've given to the transformation of our company, which touches more than the product, right? It's 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 the product transformation, uh, it's the culture transformation, it's it's the whole corporate uh, transformation of you know you go from a certain point in time to where mm-hmm. you aspire to be as a company, and and for us to to reach those levels. Uh, we have to have the absolute best product in the industry. And, and the great news is there were 10 great new products in 20 months that were launching during that time frame. That's a, that's a lot of product coming down the pipeline. You know, let's, why don't we talk a little bit more about the number one or best-selling, the Rogue. Uh, it was a finalist in the uh, AJAC Award or the CCOTY Award. Can you tell the public about the new Rogue? Because it's, it's stunning. I mean, when you are competing in one of the busiest segments in, in Canada right now, the midsize SUV with the CRV, the RAV4, uh, the Tucson, the Rogue is really putting a big dent into the marketplace. Can you tell us a little bit about it? Yes, yeah, so uh, great, great news, as you mentioned, right? So we are a finalist for this uh, AJAC Car of the Year um, award, so we're crossing our fingers 
by the way, Sentra is as well a finalist for uh, best midsize car. Uh, so, you know, two of our most recent launches are getting recognized, uh, at least as finalists for this great uh, recognition from, uh, from Ajax. Uh, but Rogue, I mean, we've just launched it, let's say, decent inventory starting in late November and December. Um, and that product is turning quickly, like despite the pandemic and despite the lockdowns in, 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 in Ontario as well as Quebec, uh, it is a fast-turning product at the Nissan Network franchise. So that's that's great news. It's doing extremely well. As as you mentioned, like we're not, uh, not going to apologize. We think we're better than the competition. Um, and uh, if, if you haven't considered the Rogue and you are considering a RAV4 or a CRV, you have to come in to our dealerships and uh, experience the Rogue because it's, it's beautiful and it is, it is a winner in the segment for sure. It is absolutely stunning. If you, uh, if you really put them side by side, uh, the visual signatures of a Nissan product, you know, today they're unmistakable. The, the, the family lines are absolutely stunning, especially that front end and the more angular approach that Nissan is taking. But, you know, I remember, uh, Steve, when I, when I first moved to Canada, this was back in 1989. And um, I don't know, I was 18 years old. New, young to the country, couldn't speak English, nothing, man. And, uh, you know, although my first car was a 1983 K car <laughs> that will remain dear to my heart, my second car was a 1984 280Z. Now, it was, this, this was in the 90s now, so the, the car was like beat up. It had a lot of kilometers on it, but that's what I was driving when I went to apply for my first job selling Nissans back in 92, 93. And uh, the Z has been, it's a legend, it's, a, it's an icon, it's, it's, it's an iconic vehicle within the, the Nissan lineup. And when is it coming? Because there was a new Z car coming down the pipeline to compete with all that segment, especially with the Supra. Do you know when it's coming down? Well, you know, we, we launched the Z Proto, right? So we, we, we launched the um, kind of a signature design. Um, we, we did say that the vehicle is coming. We haven't confirmed a date yet. So unfortunately, I could not be able to, uh, to share those details with you. But I, I agree with you. It is, it is an exciting vehicle. Um, again, when you go and, and Google these Pathfinder and Frontier launches, in fact, you'll see the full uh, lineup of, uh, you know, the concepts or um, the vehicles that have been confirmed. You'll, you'll actually see them. You actually see our chief designer out in uh, in Japan, um, you know, walking around and and sitting in the Z and leaving the design studio, sitting in that Z Proto. So it, it's a beautiful design. We are very much looking forward to it um, in North America, but here in Canada, it's gonna it's gonna do exceptionally well, and I can't wait to put my hands uh, on one for sure. Yeah, same here. Especially if it comes out on that fluorescent green that you uh, that you have as the halo car. But uh, you know, speaking of excitement and things that go, can you tell me a little bit about the Centra Cup? Because I, I remember that we used to have the 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 Micra Cup. What made you decide to switch it up from the Micra to the Centra Cup? Yeah, so this was big news for us. We, uh, you know, as as Micra was, uh, uh, you know, kind of taken away from the portfolio. Uh, decisions were had had to be made. Do we continue with a one make race uh, series in Canada? Uh, there were tremendous benefits from the Micro Cup. We felt that we had to keep that traction. Uh, we had, uh, you know, we have we have racers, we have a following, we have customers that are invited and attend every session uh, that we've put on. So it, it was quite an easy decision for us to move this to Centra. Uh, Sentra is a very capable vehicle. Um, you know, what's great about uh, the Sentra Cup, and it was true for Micro Cup, 
it is mm-hmm. really it's a it's a vehicle you take from the showroom and you bring it to the track essentially obviously they they go through a supplier where they they have to be race ready um, they they have to meet FIA standards there's a roll cage in it but essentially mechanically speaking if you want to measure the quality re- reliability and durability of your product there is no better way than through these one make race series uh, because the vehicles are tested to their limits. Um, essentially, they're from showroom to the track and then track to the, to the street, basically. So there's, there's a lot of learnings uh, from, from an OEM perspective, and, and we can also demonstrate how reliable these uh, How capable these the vehicle are. is, yeah. You know, I don't know if you know much about this, but can anyone participate on this uh, Centra Cup? Uh, and anyone can. I mean, obviously, you need to to take a uh, a bit of a, a driving, a racing um, um, lesson to make sure you understand the rules of racing. Uh, but absolutely, it's uh, it's something that you can sign up for, Greg. Personally, it'd be great to see you on the track. <laughs> <know> about that. <laughs> and, 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 and especially, Greg, uh, the Grand Prix, uh, the, the the Canadian Grand Prix F1 race. Uh, we are one of the support uh, racing series at that event. Um, and so it, it's great. I mean, we're, we're at the biggest tracks in Canada. We have a huge following. In fact, with this Centra Cup launch now, we have even more interest from across the country. We have racers that have signed up from Vancouver. We have interest from people in the U.S. Like, it's, uh, it, it's going to be a great event for us, a great series. You know, we've been thinking about it, uh, Steve, just to do up a vehicle that, to represent Oakville Nissan, and maybe we can send it down to the Cup. We just need a driver. And uh, I, I can't be it, man. I, I don't think that I'm cut out for uh, any more stress in my life <laughs> of a racetrack. But, you know, I, I got to tell you, Steve, that um, over the last few months, I mean, all things considered, and the industry has been turned upside down with this pandemic, um, I, I cannot, uh, you know, hide the excitement that I have by seeing all this new product coming out, the new Nissan Versa that was just released, the Versa sedan, the new Nissan Sentra that came out early last year, now the new Nissan Rogue that is making a huge indent into that segment, and with the Pathfinder and the Frontier and the new Armada and the new Kicks and the new Z, you know, it's, it's, it's nonstop. And for all, all, all those customers that have been following Nissan as a brand for a very long time, I think that this is a, this is a rebirth of the brand. And uh, I, I really like what Nissan is doing with their product. And I, you know, I'm sure that you're feeling the same amount of pride that I'm feeling right now, Steve, when it comes to when you see all this new product, no? It's very exciting. I tell you that the Nissan Canada team is uh, super excited. Uh, we've we've worked hard during this, uh, obviously, the transformation uh, plan of, of the company. Uh, the, the the pandemic obviously is uh, is is something that we have to deal with. All of us, uh, all OEMs, uh, all industries, uh, no matter what you do, but. Uh, we're trying to make make the best of it in the in the circumstances, and and a lot of things are happening for us at exactly the right time, and there is no better time for us to launch all this great stuff, as we uh, hopefully come out of this pandemic. Vaccinations happen across uh, the world, certainly in Canada. Uh, we're ready. We're 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 ready to take on uh, to take on even more market share here in this country because we have the product. Uh, we have uh, we have the talent. We have the great dealer partners across the country, and it's going to be a fantastic year for us. 
Well, I, uh, I echo your sentiment on this. And, uh, uh, folks, this is Steve Millet, the president of Nissan Canada, uh, you know, being kind enough to join the, uh, the Carrasco show this morning to talk about all this exciting news. Steve, thank you so much for coming on the show, man. I really appreciate you sharing this awesome news for the entire dealer body and also to engage the, uh, the, the, the populace in all the new and exciting news, uh, of all the new vehicles that are coming down the Nissan pipeline. Steve, this is your platform. You can come down anytime to communicate anything that you need. Once again, thank you. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Steve. Absolutely. My pleasure. Have a great day. Thank you, Steve. Slagger Nation. Look at that. Important people. A lot of exciting news coming down the pipe for Nissan Canada. I got to say, well, of the bunch, the Nissan yeah. Frontier aesthetically is just so nice. Like, Dude, I love man, it. It's I, a smart looking I, truck. It's a very, you know, like the redesign has just been amazing. I, uh, I've never been a pickup truck sort of person. It's like, eh. You know, I, I'm the least handy human that you would ever know, honestly. <laughs> uh, surprise, <laughs> so, surprise or not surprised? Should I try to act surprised? <laughs> that's mean, man. That's so mean. What, no, no, why I'm would being, you I'm, assume that? Uh, I'm being facetious. But, no, I, I, do, I do like the idea of a smaller pickup truck. I don't necessarily, you know, need, like, a big F-150 or something. But I've always been a fan of the smaller segment, you know, the Ford Rangers, the smaller Tacomas, that sort of thing, because I do think that they come in extremely handy. If you're trying to make the trip to Home Depot or you need to pick up a couch for your friends, it's just much easier than trying to cram it in the back of a minivan or renting something from Home Depot. At one point, small pickup trucks were a big deal. The Rangers, the Canyon, the Tacoma, the uh, B2200 series from Mazda. I still love them. I know. And uh, for some reason, at some point, a car manufacturer decided that they were all going to go away. And, you know, the only one that remained was the Frontier. So it developed some sort of a following uh, within the marketplace. But, folks, if you are looking at a compact pickup truck, this is the truck that you've been waiting for. Now, it cannot arrive here soon enough. And, um, unfortunately, they won't be here for a few months. But I can tell you, man, by looking at that thing, me wants one. <laughs> I think I'm going to be driving a pickup truck for the first time in my life. It looks, it looks nice. so cool. Like if you owned a bigger piece of property and needed to move some stuff around, this would be the perfect vehicle for, for you. It would be, folks. Let's take a small break, and we have another important guest coming on the other side of the show. Um, you know, we'll be right back. Open here on TSN 1050. We are Canada's largest automotive radio show, and we are brought to you by Oakville Nissan for the month of February. If you are driving a Nissan right now and you have a lease, there is a new term for you. It's called leases interruptus. It's when you voluntarily pull out of your lease early. <laughs> sounds sounds uh, strikingly similar to us, another company yes, that, might, no. that may or may not bust leases. Uh, I, can't, I can't confirm or deny. <laughs> so if you have up to 18 months left on your lease, you can come out and see me at Oakville Nissan. And guess what? We're going to get you to pull out early on your lease. And uh, if you want to get something a little bigger, something a little smaller, uh, something more reasonable, you can always come down and see me at Oakville Nissan up to 18 months left. You know, you never know, right? You buy a vehicle, you lease a vehicle. Next thing you know, you know, a year or two in and you think, ah, I think I'm going to have a kid. Next thing you know, you need you need a bigger vehicle, Man. and uh, it, the time has come. What's I feel, that? I feel like, more, the more, for the most part, like the, my friends who are in leases or whatever, it always seems like they're always trying to get out of it early, whether it's because you know they know that they're going to be going over on the mileage quota or whatever the reasoning. They just like the new model better. It always seems like people r- want to get out early, so really good it's opportunity. It's like marriage. <laughs> 
<laughs> this should be, you know, marriages should call leases. You know, you, have, you know, it's a short term. You can, you have the option to renew. You have, you know, a certain number of kilometers allowed. You know, and uh, you pay for excess wear and tear. Uh, but you know, it's all, it should all be in predetermined terms. You know, what do you think? And I think that that's a, it should be a pretty good option for the future. No. Yeah. Well, basically, so what you're saying is, uh, basically, Oakville Nissan will be your marriage attorney for your lease. <laughs> get you, get you, get you out early. Hey, you know what? That's a very, very good point there. <laughs> Anyways, uh, as the intro song always says that, uh, you know, celebrity guests from the East Coast to the West. And we have another important person here on the, on the phone. Um, this is Steve Square. Steve Ryan, president of Infinity Canada. Steve, thank you for coming to the Carrasco Show. Hey, Greg. Yeah, thanks very much. Thanks for having me. Oh, no, my, my pleasure. You know, I, uh, talking to Milet a, a little while ago, um, you know, there was a lot of exciting news uh, coming down the pipeline for both Nissan Canada and Infinity Canada. But, uh, you know, it's important for, for people to, you know, to recognize that Infinity is probably one of the luxury market's best kept secret. I mean, I was selling Infinities in the early 90s when the uh, the Q45 or the i30 and i35, you know, were, were being sold. And uh, it, it was a quirky luxury Japanese uh, manufacturer. And, uh, you know, I think that a lot of that that you know, air of, of exclusivity is coming down the pipeline, uh, especially with the new introductions. But Steve, as the president of Infinity Canada, I want my audience to get to know you. You know, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, Steve? Sure. Yeah. Thanks, Greg. Um, yeah, I guess, you know what, I've, uh, I've been in the uh, auto industry for uh, over 20 years and, uh, I'm, you know, started off because I'm really, I'm just a car guy at heart and, and just love, love cars. And uh, so I work for two different OEMs and then, um, Ultimately, uh, I worked for an ad agency and then actually ended up with uh, Nissan back in 2013. And mm -hmm. uh, I started there. I was uh, the chief marketing manager for the crossovers and the Leaf at the time and then moved over to become the director of marketing for, for Nissan after that and then took over as the managing director for, uh, for Infinity just uh, this past June. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, always been in the car industry, just an absolute car nut and uh, uh, you know, really love this opportunity because it kind of, as you were talking about, Infinity, just such a great brand that uh, I think is maybe a bit of a best kept secret in a lot of cases, and, and customers kind of like it that way. You know, that it's got something really unique that uh, that others don't. Not everybody knows about it, or not everybody uh, gravitates to it. So I think there's something really special there. I, I do, and uh, what I can tell you is that every time I get inside the QX80 that I'm driving these days, uh, I know that it's a very, very soft flex. You know, you can you can yeah. flex ag <laughs> aggressively, and not everybody knows what you're driving. But uh, yeah. you know, the, the the product is phenomenal, and you know, some of the things that I can tell you that I have seen from an operation standpoint with your influence is that. The marketing aspect of Infinity is certainly changing. Uh, you know, the, the, the programs are there, the new looks are there, and uh, I, I can see how this is given a new, um, there is a new invigorated attitude that we have with Infinity right now. But, uh, you know, what I really want to know, Steve, is that, you know, what's coming down the pipeline? I, you know, we keep seeing this QX55, and, uh, you know, I know that a lot of people used to love the Infinity FX, the FX35, the FX45, yeah. the FX50. Yeah. You know, is this, is this the new FX? Is, if that's what, you know, Infinity's trying to do with the QX55? Yeah, no, I think you're onto something there. I mean, at the end of the day, it's, I would say that the, the FX really is the design inspiration. I think they're mm -hmm. different vehicles for sure. Um, but as you know, like the FX really kind of created this coupe um, luxury SUV segment way back when in 2003. So, 
kind of established that. And, and there's a lot of customers that just love the look of a coupe, but they need something a bit more. And so really this was us bringing back uh, something that, that appeals to people because they just love the design of it. But it's still got that practicality when you need it, you know. And, and uh, I had a chance to be uh, with one this just uh, the other day. And uh, what's amazing about it is how much space there actually still is on the inside. So it's got this gorgeous, these gorgeous lines. But then when you need the hatch and you need some space, like there's still uh, so much space in there. So it just gives you the best of both worlds in so many ways. So I think, um, you know, what's also cool about it is that it, it's something that, although I would say that Infinity is maybe a bit understated, this mm -hmm. one stands out a bit more. You know, it's a little more provocative in its look and feel, and, and I think that's going to appeal to people as well. So. I think that pro provocative is a good word to use. And folks, if you haven't seen the new QX55, uh, you should probably look it up and, uh, and and be blown away by those looks. I mean, the lines are absolutely stunning. It's been a little while since, uh, you know, Infinity's come up with something this aggressive. Um, I think that the last one was the Q60. The, uh, yeah. the Q60 coupe is, uh, is so sexy in the front end. And I think that there was a lot of, you know, similarities in the front end between the Q60 and the QX55. Would you agree to that with that oh, statement? Yeah. yeah, you're right. Definitely. The, uh, the shape of the grill and how bold it is. And then the, even the bumpers are very aggressive. So it gives it that sports car feel. Um, and then as you come around the back, that's when you start to see more of the FX influence, especially in the back mm -hmm. three quarters. So it's, it's got again, that, that great combination, you know, and then when you, when you get a chance to see the inside, I mean, it's, it's gorgeous, and there's a new Monaco uh, red interior option, which has got uh, it's a two-tone color, and it really just takes it up a notch. Yeah, I, I've seen the pictures, and it's absolutely stunning. Now, I, I, I have to ask you this, because, um, you know, this, although it's the best-selling vehicle that Infinity has, uh, it has been a little bit long in the tooth for a while, and although it's one of the best vehicles within the segment, and anyone that knows anything about cars cannot refute this this point, uh, that as beautiful as it is, you know, it was due for a redesign. The, the QX60, there is a new one coming down the pipeline, and I cannot tell you how excited I am about this new product. Can you tell me a little bit more about it? For sure, yeah. So we, we unveiled the QX60 monograph, which is really a design um, design study or, or the, uh, really the design inspiration for what the new one will look like. And I can tell you, it, the new one looks very close to, to what that monograph is. And it's, again, it's, it's really starting to redefine um, the, the infinity look and taking it into the next, the next decade, if you will. Um, and so, as you said, it's, it's such an important vehicle for infinity. It's our number one selling, selling vehicle. And I think that's because of the style that it brings, the, the equipment that you have for, the, for great value. You know, it's really... It's, it's a luxury vehicle, so it's not inexpensive, but it's, for what you get, it's a great value. And, and this new one, we're super excited about it because it, it, uh, it just looks gorgeous. Um, and, and it'll, again, it'll be very close to what you saw in the monograph. Um, but again, it, it'll take it to the next level in terms of equipment that we'll have available for the customer. So, so the million-dollar yeah. question is this. When? Yeah. When, when is it coming? Yes. It's coming later this year. Um, we will unveil it. Um, you will see it in May of this mm -hmm. year, the final production version, and then it'll be uh, on sale um, uh, later, later on this year. And I can't get uh, more specific yet with that, but uh, I'll have to come back maybe and uh, <laughs> give more oh, specifics you, when yeah, I can. You, you have to. <laughs> and folks, if, you are in, if you're in the market for, in that segment, I mean, we're talking X5, we're talking MDX, we're talking Q5. This is certainly going to disrupt that entire segment because, uh, you know, even though 
the the current QX60 is has been you know a staple in in Infinity showrooms for a few years now. We are still selling a ton of them, and simply just because of the luxuries combined with the absolute best value within the segment. So Infinity knows this, and until the new one comes out, uh, the QX60 is quite a reasonable option for anyone that is still looking at those vehicles now you know you you're a marketing person you know yeah. that's how i met you you know yeah. being the marketing person for for nissan canada now how do you see what is your vision for infinity canada for infinity as a brand and uh you know when it comes to a luxury you know brand you know where does infinity fit within the luxury landscape yeah i think well, at the at the essence, what I believe Infinity is really about is is this combination of power and elegance. Um, you know, because we've got these cars that have amazing performance, but at the same time, there's a uniqueness in the design and there's an attention to detail that really are are unique. And and there's that essence of of Japanese luxury that comes across in in all of our products. That that mm-hmm. I think that's really what helps us carve out our own unique place. And uh, you know, I think that's that's ultimately what you're going to see as we go forward here, as each product rolls out. The QX55 has a bit of that. The new QX60 will have more of that and, mm-hmm. and further on as we go. So, you know, really it's about bringing those amazing products. The, the other piece would be about providing exceptional customer service. And, and really that goes out without, you know, without saying in some ex- to some extent with a luxury customer. That's what they're expecting. But what we want to do is make sure that we, we really evolve and, and bring, give the customer what they're looking for and be able to deal with the customer in the way that they're comfortable, whether that's online, whether that's in our dealerships. Um, you know, be flexible and, and be accommodating to what the customer needs and really be a, a leader from that perspective. So, Well, I, I, I can speak from personal experience. I mean, Infinity Canada was one of the first car manufacturers that uh, created a new position, uh, the customer experience manager, just to address the consumer on a one-on-one basis. And that really started to set Infinity apart from everyone else. But, uh, you know, I, 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 can, I cannot hide the excitement, uh, Steve, of, of seeing all the new product coming down the pipeline. But, you know, in, in the car industry, we often forget this. Most problems are solved with new products. Sure, <laughs> most yeah. pro- most yep. problems, and and I think that uh, you know, just coming out of the lockdown, coming out of the pandemic, I I think that the timing is absolutely right for Infinity to be introducing all this new product. Now, when is the QX55 going to be hitting the showrooms? Do you have a, a you know a bit of yeah. indication now? Yes, yeah, actually, the the production starts next week, if you believe it, and uh, we will be announcing pricing later this month, and then. Uh, the first ones we expect to be arriving in Canada in early, early April. So uh, it'll be uh, basically once we announce the pricing later this month, you'll be able to order one, uh, you know, directly online through a dealer and then um, uh, take delivery in early April. So it's coming very close. I think it's going to be here for the uh, for the hot spring market and after the lockdown is uh, is lifted Absolutely. and uh, all that pent up demand is coming right. coming knocking at our doors. I that's think that right. we are just literally knocking out of the park with all this new product that's coming down the pipeline. But this is uh, Steve Ryan, folks. He is the managing director of Infinity Canada. And Steve, just like I said to Steve Millet earlier, this is your platform. You can come on the show anytime you need to communicate anything to uh, the entire listenership here of the uh, of the. Show across the country because we 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 can be heard uh, from Newfoundland all the way to Vancouver, and um, is anything that you need to communicate? This is your platform. You're welcome to come back anytime. Thank you so much for joining the show, Steve. Oh, that's excellent. Thank you very much, Greg. Great to be here. Thank you, Steve. Take care. 
Thank you. That was Steve Ryan, Managing Director of Infinity Canada, sharing some more amazing news. And, uh, you know, I, I'm speaking selfishly here because uh, all this new product is, is affecting me personally, Ken. This is all new stuff that we're going to be able to sell in Oakville. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. No, you know, it's, exciting. The, it's exciting stuff. New releases, new year. Did you see, did you look up the QX55? I haven't looked Look it up, up on the web. Yet. To be honest, I'm still looking at pictures of the 2022 Nissan Frontier, <laughs> which is such a nice truck. Like I'm so impressed by the design of this thing. Well, stop it. Look at the QX55 and now and and, and look at the QX60, the I think it's the monograph. Um it honestly is a uh, it's one of the most beautiful vehicles that I've seen coming down uh, from Infinity Canada in a very 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 long time. Look at the QX60. The QX55 um, is very smart, isn't it? Yeah, it's like nice. very clean lines. Yeah, it's a, it looks like it belongs in the segment with the BMW and the Mercedes. It's just a very clean looking luxury SUV. Looks great. Well, I think that uh, people are going to be surprised to, you know, all this new product that's coming down uh, from Nissan as well as Infiniti. And, uh, you know, look, you know, there are car people out there. Car people are defined by what they drive. And there's nothing wrong with it. You know, I know that. People don't like it when I say this. I, I do still believe that cars are a waste of money, but if you're going to waste it in something, you might as well waste it with me. I'll help you <laughs> to keep as much as you can. If, if you're going to waste your money, <laughs> better waste it with me. Yeah, I, I, I like that. Well, I'll, I'll try to you know help you not waste it too much. You know, I'll, I'll give you some advice. I'll, I'll show you ways that that it's gonna be better for you to get in and get out of vehicles. You know, just like that leases interruptors that we were talking about that before. Um, and I think that there was something you know a little bit more scientific, and, and and it has to be more detached because the moment that emotions get involved, you know, reason or logic goes out the window. And whenever you you're making a decision. Of twenty, thirty, forty, seventy, ninety thousand dollars, and you get your emotions involved. Guess what? You will make a mistake if you're not thinking straight. And um, the fact that we have no commission salespeople at both Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity certainly giving you a, a an, an edge, a competitive edge, because you know my people are there just to help you not make a mistake. That's the only reason why they're there. And uh, for the month of February, if you happen to live in the vicinity, in whatever brand you are driving. If you're driving a luxury brand, you can come and do service at Oakville Infinity. If you're driving a, a mainstream brand, you can service at Oakville Nissan. Until the end of February, we will pay for your HST. There is no tax when you service your vehicle at Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity. We know that things are tough out there, folks. So now we can save you a pile of money by you coming down and servicing your vehicle at Oakville Nissan in Oakville Infinity. We have Money Mike on the other side of the break, and uh, we will be right back. I've been a rich man, and I have been a poor man, and I choose rich every time. Uh-huh, yeah. You are listening to the Greg Carrasco Show, Canada's largest automotive radio show with my friend Ken Stavon here. And that is uh, the um, unmistakable intro song of 
Money Mike. <laughs> Mike, how are you? <laughs> I feel it like I should me be. I did, that's me as well. I feel like I should be wearing like a, a wrestling cape or something. Every time the music comes in, Vince McMahon announces my entry into the ring. It's awesome. That's it's amazing. Awesome. Yeah, a big gold I, uh, chain. We, what's that? A big gold chain. Yeah, that, that, many, that'll do it. But no, he doesn't chain. invest in uh, precious metals. I don't think that that's uh, that's what Mike does, right? <laughs> Not my thing. Not my thing. Nope. Nope. Uh, you know, do you mind if I ask? Loop. Yeah, go ahead. Do you mind if I ask you why not? Why don't I invest in precious metals? Yeah. Uh, you know what? I I think it probably stems from some advice. Uh, you know, I heard Warren Buffett many years ago talking about gold, and he was, uh, you know, he sort of posited it this way: Would you rather? Because the two values are roughly the same. Would you rather yeah. buy all of the gold that exists or buy all of the farmland in America? And he hmm. said, you know what? I'd rather buy the farmland because that produces something. And gold is is something that obviously does not produce anything. The, the it produces that, headaches. That's what it produces. <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> it, it, it produces a lot of work for jewelers around Valentine's Day. So, you know. That time's coming up. Good for them. Uh, but no, it, it just, it's only worth more if the next guy's willing to pay more for it. Because if it doesn't produce anything, the, the value is in the eye of the beholder. So uh, there are times when it goes up in value. There's some seasonality to it. There's some, you know, uh, some advantage as a store of value from time to time. But as a long-term hold, uh, it's not something that uh, factors into my game plan. At all. Well, you know, and, and unlike land, <laughs> land goes up whether you want to pay more or not. It goes up anyways. You know, it if you does. don't believe me, just have a look at the real estate in, in Oakville. Man, this is just nuts what is happening. I don't know how these people are uh, uh, are, are buying via, um, buying homes at, at the rate that they're buying them here in Oakville, but that seems it seems to be the new hotspot right now. But uh, I know exactly, exactly what you mean. And, folks, if you're just tuning into the show, um, although we are Canada's largest automotive radio show, uh, who we have with us on, on the line here is Money Mike. He's my personal financial advisor. I owe so much to this guy because he got my finances straight. You know, just because you can make the money doesn't mean that you can keep the money. And often they're mutually exclusive. You know, <laughs> people that make money, we find a way to spend it. And that's yeah. just the way it works. So Mike, uh, Mike gave me a couple of proverbial slaps. Boom! <laughs> Wake up, Carrasco. You, you need to worry about old Carrasco while you're young because, uh, you know, like I said at the beginning of the show, when we were talking about Saul Corman, yeah. you know, we, we live under the illusion that we have time. We don't have time. You know, the best time to do it was 20 years ago. The second best time to do it is right now. So Money Mike is kind enough to share all his knowledge about, you know, wealth and money management. And uh, he has been looking after listeners of my show for years now. And uh, there are hundreds of you that have reached out to him and, uh, you know, getting him to help you with your finances. And uh, 
you know, if you if you don't know the name of your financial advisor, maybe it's time. And uh, if you have a pen handy, you should probably write Mike's uh, phone number down. His number is 905-320-6762. Again, 905-320-6762. Or you can send him an email at moneymike.ca. But, folks, remember that he is on air live right now. So don't call him on air. Don't. If you want to call <laughs> We have to say this every time, man. And if you want to call him right now here on the radio... 416-870-1050 is the number. 416-870-1050 is the number. You can call us. Um, Mikey, you were talking yeah. about uh, this uh, Force Magazine article that came out last week. Yeah. Do you want to talk yeah. to me a little bit about it? Yeah, we had a, a brief uh, time to, to discuss that earlier. Yeah, you know, it's it has been um, – well, this is, in my mind anyway, this is – 2020 part two uh, you know we're, we're still in 2020 because we're all still in lockdown and the government's talking about whether or not they want to extend that lockdown but hey let me be the first to say on air thank you so much for sending the children back to school they need it i'm so glad i'm i will miss my children not being around all day um <laughs> but <laughs> <laughs> Did that did that come across sure. wrong? I, I'm, not, I'm not sure. I, I believe um, you, man. It sounded so genuine, Mike. <laughs> you know, but it, you know, 2020 is continuing in my mind, and and you know, the the Forbes article was talking about you know trying to learn from 2020. What did 2020 teach us about the markets? Because a lot of it is still going on right now, and uh, it, it was such a strange year. I mean, economically, obviously, we reached unemployment rates that we hadn't seen since the Great Depression. Um, you know, businesses uh, shut their doors and, and are still dealing with that issue right now. It's not behind us by any stretch, even though, you know, greatly the world rebounded. Uh, it, it's still nowhere near where it was and still, you know, seeing some results that were sort of reminiscent of the uh, the World War II era. So, you know, despite all that, the markets had a pretty good year in in 2020. Uh, you know, the Canada, the Canadian market and the international, the European markets, you know, more than a 5% growth year, which is, mm -hmm. uh, I think we wouldn't have anticipated that at any point during the year that it could have been a positive year. The U.S., of course, had an outstanding year, growing more than 16% in, in Canadian dollar terms. No. What are you yeah. saying? That the U.S. Yeah. did well in something? Are you serious? It did. It <laughs> I did. might be listening it... to the wrong radio stations or watching the wrong you know, TV networks. But, uh, uh, you know, I, I have made it a point, uh, Mike, to not open my statements. <laughs> I just don't do it because I'm, I'm, I'm not pulling my money out now. I'm yeah. not retiring for a few years. So whatever is happening today, it doesn't matter. Nope. When I, you know, and that's one of the beauties about dealing with a professional. If there is something that I need to know, you tell me. Am yeah. I am I right with this? Well, that's that's the purpose of why we're here is to to provide that service. And and I'm, you know, I agree with that sentiment. Although you know, for interest's sake, I always look at my statements. I mean, I watch this stuff day by day. But uh, you know, even. Even when statements come in three weeks after the quarter and it's three weeks old information, I still look at them. I know what they say, but it's always nice to, to just peruse over it. Uh, but I'm, I'm not going to blame anyone for having exactly your approach. Yeah, what does it matter I, to me what it's worth today? I can't do anything about it. 
You know, no, it's the same. It's the same thing when people tell me, "Oh, you know, if I buy a new car, it's gonna lose thirty percent in the first year." And then I say, "Okay, are you gonna sell it in a year?" And they said, "No." I said, so why do you worry about it? <laughs> it's just, it's just, you know, what? What are we talking about, people? Uh, but you know, with this with this article that you're talking about in Forbes, uh, you know, they, there were two principles. You know, yeah. the, you know. The, number one, the future is impossible to predict, and number two, the stock market is not the economy. Can you elaborate on this? Well, sure. I mean, principle number one, and this has always been the case, the past is not indicative of future results, and nobody can predict what's going to happen in the coming year. You know, you put 200 economists in a room, and they'll give you 200 different opinions about what the market will do in the coming year, and then the 195 of them that got it wrong will have extremely educated explanations as to why it didn't turn out the way they said it was going to um, because it is unpredictable and you know it, it's such a, a complicated thing to, to understand but you know nonetheless almost as a form of entertainment we like it when people will give us predictions it's probably the most common question I get especially in January what are the markets going to do this year um, you know I it's used like to the horoscope attend- well, exactly. I, I used to attend these presentations from, you know, even some of the chief strategists at my own company. And one year, many, many years ago, uh, one, of, one of the strategists in a January presentation, someone asked the question, what, are, what, is the, what are the markets going to bring in the coming year? And his response was, I think this is going to be sort of an average mid to high single digit growth year plus or minus unexpected events. Mm-hmm. So in other words, he said nothing. I think it's going to be a normal year unless something happens that makes it abnormal. Um, so, you know, I actually appreciated that response. I mean, that was his way of admitting to the rest of us, he has no idea. We can, <laughs> and actually that does lead to, to principle number two, that the stock market is not the economy. The stock market is so complex. There are so many moving parts that even if you had an understanding of all of those individual parts, you still cannot predict what those parts will create when put together. Um, it, it's, you know, the, the, the sum of the parts is greater uh, as a whole than they are individually. And, and so when you look at all of the things that you can see going on around you, you know, sort of the, the economic events, the, the businesses being shuttered, people losing their jobs, you can look at things that we had back in 2020. We had that big election in the U.S. and all of the political turmoil. They actually had civil unrest uh, mm-hmm. in, in the country as well. You can look at all of those parts and you can gain an understanding of what's going on in those parts, but try to take that information and apply it to how it will affect the stock market. It's impossible. Is, it's absolutely impossible. It is, it's a form of I'm going to call it entertainment, but I think you'd have a better time watching the NFL uh, for a whole day than than trying to sit around and and apply that. Do you think that uh, the complexity of what the economy and the stock market and and, and essentially finances uh, is what 
drives a lot of this, you know, cynicism and this uh, skepticism from the general population as to whether they trust the process of, or they don't. And, you know, it, it's, it's fascinating because, you know, looking at, looking at it from the outside, when, when I was debating as to what to do and, you know, who to hire to, to manage my money and whatnot, I was... I was so cynical about it. It's like, ah, you know, they have vested interest in this. They're going to try to sell me whatever it is that they're going to make the most money and so on and so on. You know, and everything changed for me when I found someone that I could trust and actually trust the process. <laughs> because, yeah. uh, you know, if you, you know, I always say this, that when you, you know, if you apply this to the car dealership you know, world, if you hire a manager and you don't let him manage or her manage, What's the point of having that person there in the first place? Or like Steve Jobs would say, you know, it is absurd for you to hire the most brilliant minds and then tell them what to do. <laughs> you know, what, what, what is the point of it all? But I think yeah. that, do you find that because of the complexity is why people are so reluctant to say, okay, you know, just take my money and guide me to the promised land, which is ultimately people like yourself would do for someone that has all those uncertainties. Well, absolutely, absolutely, and and actually, you know, you've you've hit on an interesting uh, perspective. That's one of the things that we we see a lot in our day to day lives. Is you know, we go to the car dealership and we tell them what's wrong with our car and how to fix it. Um, we we go to a financial professional and we want to say, well, shouldn't we invest in this? And what what do you think about this investment? It's mm -hmm. it's kind of like you know, you don't go to the doctor and and the doctor is not going to come out to you and say i think you need an operation what do you think <laughs> um <laughs> you know it, you, you, as you said you go to those people for a reason and as long as as they can present their arguments of of why they think you should do what you should do and and present the supporting information to to give you the confidence to take that advice you should take the advice and, and when it comes to predicting the markets, well, you know what, 2020 taught me, I mean, first of all, it, it's good to know that the stock market is not the economy. But as you said, the people are, are generally mistrustful and cynical about the markets, largely because they don't understand it. And I and I had me people in 20 cynical. Come, Mike, come <laughs> yeah. on, no, no, not me? you. No, other people. Other people. You know, it just <laughs> I, I did have people come to me in 2020 and say the stock market makes no sense. And you know, that's the whole. I understand all the moving parts. How is it? been brought together to result the way it has. But the the stock market is pretty logical. And truth be told, the stock market's a loser's game. Um, you know, here we are again. We're on a sports network, and, and people will understand the, uh, the, the mindset. Mm -hmm. But the stock market is a loser's game. If, if you're a, a golf enthusiast and you go back to the 2009 British Open, Stuart Sink didn't win the British Open. Tom Watson lost it. If you've ever watched some of the more recent Grand Slam tennis events, um, and you've got, oh, who's, see, now I'm going old school. You're speaking like Greek to me, man. I don't yeah, watch TV, TV, and I certainly yeah, I don't watch sports. <laughs> But I, I think I know. I think I know what you're saying. I, you, know, you know, Roger Federer has lost Wimbledon a couple of times in recent years. Uh, he was not beat by his opponent. He was beat by he himself. Lost it. And, yeah. yeah, and and that's the 
the stock market works the same way. There, there are games in life you win by not losing, and the stock market is one of them. And most people don't have the emotional or, or intestinal fortitude to be able to make unemotional decisions uh, because the stock market really does make sense. So I, I think you have to trust the professionals to make those calls for you. It's why I use professionals to make the individual investment decisions on my own portfolio. I don't sit around and watch a stock ticker all day and decide when is the right time to jump in and out of stocks. I got other things going on. That's, that's not my primary focus. I, I leave that to the professionals. But, uh, uh, I mean, we live in a society, Mike, in which, you know, I know a guy that knows a guy that knows a guy. And just because mm -hmm. that guy that knows a guy did something that worked for that guy over there, it doesn't mean that it's going to work for me. And, uh, and unfortunately, it doesn't matter how much you try to educate people when it comes to the, you know, removing the emotion out of investing their money. Money is as emotional of a thing as you can possibly find. And folks, if, you, if you're just tuning in, uh, you're listening to Canada's largest automotive radio show here, The Greg Carrasco Show with my friend Ken Stapen. But uh, Money Mike, who is my personal financial advisor and has been kind enough to share all his knowledge with my listeners and, and help out so many of you uh, to, to get out of, you know, unhealthy healthy mindsets when it comes to your monies and your finances. And uh, I, I think that one of the biggest things that you do here, Mike, is that you help people take control of their future. There are so many people that are leaving their future and their retirement and all, and all their investments to chance. And, uh, you know, again, there is a big difference between gambling and speculating you know when you gamble you don't know the odds <laughs> so you know if you're going to speculate at least educate yourself and arm yourself with a professional that is going to help you out and give you all the potential ramifications of your financial decisions and there is where mike comes into place so if you need to reach out to mike you can call him on 905-320-6762 or you can send him an email at moneymike.ca but you know I, I wish that, uh, you know, people sometimes, you know, I read a book once. I can't remember the book. Uh, you know, I, I'll, I'll think of it and I'll, I'll mention it. That sure. talks about, you know, finding, finding uh, you know, heroes or, or mentors, mm -hmm. if you will, uh, from every aspect. I mean, I, I will have my, my car dealership operational mentor. Uh, you know, this this guy's name is Joe Amra. He was an American dude that came here and he was ruthless with the corporation. But guess what? He had a good heart. So, you know, I felt that he was one of the only people that I can call and actually learn from or run an idea by. And now we discuss this and I take his guidance. Uh, then I have my, my financial advisor, you, in which I can go and talk to you and, and present a situation and, and I will take your advice because that you are my hero in that segment. You are my mentor when it comes to finances. Do you think that people are, are reluctant to trust in general, uh, Mike, when it comes, especially when it comes to their monies? I don't know. I think they, everybody's different. I think there's a group of people. I, I mean, I've worked with many people for more than 20 years who, you know, have never uh, been mistrustful of the information of, of that I've given them and the advice they've given them. They've always followed it and followed it happily and, and are quite happy with the, the results that have come from that. I, I think some of it can be in DNA, but, uh, you know, this is an industry that didn't always have the best reputation. Um, well, you know, know, things, been, are, 
things have certainly changed over the last few years, especially, uh, you know, since the Internet has been, you know, so prevalent in, in the way that we consume information. But, uh, you know, on, on the other side of the break, Mike, I, I really want to to talk a little bit about GameStop uh, because many okay. people have many questions in relation to this. And uh, I want you to dissect it a little bit more because I'm sure that everyone has heard about this. And, uh, you know, you will educate us. And, folks, this show is brought to you by Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity. And for the month of February, we are anyone that brings in the vehicle, regardless of the brand. It doesn't matter where you're driving. You come in for service at Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity, and we will pay for your HSD. We got your back. We'll be right back after the break. And we're back. You're listening to the Greg Carrasco Show here on TSN 1050, Canada's largest automotive radio show with my friend Ken Stapen. And Money Mike is in the house talking to us about how to take control of our finances. And hopefully you're going to be able to retire nice and comfortable if you do what is right. You know, before we go into um, into the uh, GameStop situation here, you know, I, I want to... Um, you know, I just want to review some of the things that we can take from, uh, you know, from the last segment, Mike. Sure. And, uh, you know, the first one that I see here is like stay invested and try not to second guess the market. Um, what else can you tell us about what we need to do and what we learn from that uh, article in Forbes and what we learned from 2020? Sure, sure. I mean, that's that's always the best advice to everybody is to stay invested and, you know, even at a time when you think that the market doesn't make any sense, it's, it only makes sense whenever you're looking backward. The market is a, a forward-looking instrument, and, and only until the future arrives do you look back and see what it does and go, oh, okay, now it makes sense. Um, it's just like so, life. You know, yeah. I, I, don't, I don't remember who said this. That uh, the, the unfortunate thing about life it, is that you can only uh, live it forward but uh, experience it backwards <laughs> because yeah, you know, your experience it, is useless. It really is. And, and, you know, there were so many people in 2020 that I spoke to and, and that I, I'm still speaking to today that, you know, saw all the negative things going on in the market and, and in the economy and in, in on their TV. And they said, you know what, I, I've got to get out. I've got to avoid all of these negative events that I think are going to have some sort of detrimental effect on my portfolio. And you just you can't try to avoid the negative things that you can see down the road because ultimately they have a much smaller impact in the long run than you think they're going to have. And anyone who attempted to time the markets by getting out, um, it, it became a very tough environment to get back in. And and they're you know still deciding today how do I do that because I've missed out on some of the rebound. So, if you are one of those people uh, that uh, you know, if you cut your mattress open and you're sitting on half a million dollars in your savings accounts and you need some help uh, as to how to prepare yourself for the future, uh, perhaps this is the best number that you could ever write down. 905-320-6762, 905-320-6762, or you can send them an email at moneymike.ca and he will find a way to make this work for you. Now, you know, Mikey, uh, the markets, you know, selling shorts and... Sell, what is it? Selling short? Is that, is yeah. that how you say it? Yeah. You know, it's, short, it's something yeah. that is. It's, it's something that goes beyond my level of understanding. I I declare myself completely ignorant when it comes to these things, and uh, I think that there are many people that have, have been listening to this for for the last few days, and uh, it's a pretty big deal in the United States. Can you kind of break this down for me as to what happened and what does it mean to the rest of the world? Sure, sure. So. 
You're referring, of course, to what happened with GameStop, which is an electronics conglomerate or a group of electronics stores, franchises all over North America. And there was yeah, huge Wall Street news in regards to that. So here, here's essentially what happened. Okay. A couple of big hedge funds in the U.S. had shorted the GameStop stock. In other words, they were betting against that stock doing well. How do you, how do you bet against the stock? Well, here, here's what shorting a stock means. Let's say you own GameStop stock, or okay. yeah, GameStop stock, I should say. Uh, you mm -hmm. own the stock, and I want to short sell it. So I'm going to come to you and say, Greg, can I borrow your shares? I'll, I'll give them back to you in a month, whatever the time frame is. And you okay. say, sure, here, here's my shares. I'll wait for a month from now. You'll give them back to me. I take your shares, and I sell them. So I've made money on shares I didn't own. But before a month from now, I'm going to have to buy those shares back so I can return them to you. But the premise is I'm doing that because I think a month from now, the shares are going to be worth less. So I can buy them cheaper than what I sold them for, and therefore I've made money. And you, you okay. don't care. You're none the wiser. I gave you your shares back. That's all I promised to do, maybe with a little bit of a premium for your time and, and for loaning them to me. So there's mm -hmm. a couple of big hedge funds in the U.S. who were doing this with GameStop. They were, they were selling short. But then, you know, these bloggers and, and millennials and Internet enthusiasts through social media on the, the website Reddit got together and said, you know what, this is our – this is our electronic store they're doing this to. We don't like that. Uh, here's an opportunity to make some money. So they all went on the market and started buying up shares, which drove the price up. And then the really interesting thing they did is they told their brokers, you're not allowed to use my shares to loan out. So all of a sudden, all these guys who knew, you know, 30 days from now, I'm going to have to buy these shares back to return them to the people I borrowed them from. But the uh -huh. price is going up. It's going up and up and up. It's going gonna, it's gonna to cost me more money to buy the shares than what I sold them for. So all of a sudden they say, I, say, I got to cut my losses. I got to get in the market and, and buy these shares back. But guess what? Their, their act of buying the shares back created even greater demand for the shares and the price went even higher. So, you know, so they, so they were doing themselves in. It's not, not like they can say, okay, I'm going to buy all the shares I want right now and I'm done with it. Well, no, it takes a long time sometimes to buy millions of dollars of shares. So the price just kept going higher. And as a result, I, I think the estimate was $2.5 billion it cost these big hedge funds and losses because the share price got run up. So... You know, this is this is we, we've had an interesting week because it hasn't just been game stock stuff. We saw a huge one, uh, a couple day surge in uh, BlackBerry stocks. We saw the price of silver surge for a short period of time as well. Um, so the the interesting thing is you're having small retail investors who are having a big effect on the markets, and it's kind of put a a little bit of fear of God in, into the big institutional Wall Street firms. No, I, so, I heard that Nokia and AMC shares also, you know, had, yeah. had a bit of a spike. You know, what I, uh, what I found was that, um, you know, somebody said the other day that the cat's out of the bag. Now there's no way to stop this because, um, you know, the regular consumer is uh, 
is essentially playing the same game that you know giant hedge funds uh, have been doing for years, and they've been playing with people's monies. And now, um, <laughs> this is available to everyone. So you have you know you know social media platforms you know blocking uh, people from communicating with each other, and the, this the censoring has continued. I mean, this has got some crazy repercussions for the marketplace, no? Well, it, it does, and and so you know the the big Wall Street firms were all happy when the markets uh, were working consistently in their favor in the way they wanted them to. And back in the day, you know, you and me coming into the market and saying, "I want to buy five thousand dollars worth of this," didn't affect them. But like you said, through social media, now thousands of of everyday Joes are able to get together and sort of through group think take on similar actions and have a big effect. So it's caught everybody off uh, off guard and by surprise, the, the politicians are all looking at this going, what do we do about it? We, we, there's no rules against this. Should there be rules against this? What do we? So it's, it's sort of reshaping the way they may have to do business. And, you know, it's one of the things that I do like about the young generation coming up and saying, you know what, just because this is the way you've always done things doesn't mean that's going to work for us. And we have power too, so let's start uh, influencing those uh, those results. So, you know, I guess the question that I have for you is, this, is this a good thing or is it a bad thing? Well, I mean, it... it I guess I don't really have an opinion on that. Good or bad, here is the thing. It has an effect. And while some people, and there'll be plenty of people out there reporting, you know, how much money they made on GameStop, there will be ultimately people who are left holding the bag. Um, you know, they, they drove that price up. I think from, from bo top, uh, bottom to top, it went from something like $20 a share up to nearly 350 Oh, but, my God. <laughs> yeah, yeah, huge surge over, over just, you know, a few weeks. But the reality is, you know, the question is asked, is that company worth all of that money? And so ultimately now it's fallen back down to $63 a share. So, you know, all of the people who bought in towards the top – Mm -hmm. uh, it, it, the company wasn't worth that. It fell back down to, to earth, and, and now they've lost money. So as long as it's all the big hedge funds, then, you know, Reddit and all the, the people who took on this cause or took on this opportunity, they're okay with that. But ultimately, some yeah, but of I them mean, will have bought shares at higher prices and lost money. Whose monies are these uh, hedge funds uh, people using to buy those uh, shares and play those games? It's just a regular investors. consumer, right? No, yeah, I mean, hedge funds take money from average people and invest them on their behalf. So they're taking losses on behalf of their their clients. So you know that's anyway. I not to get too long winded in in the issue, but you know, good or bad, any type of extreme speculation and in investing, ultimately somebody is is left holding the uh, holding the uh, the bill at the end of the day. So. I try not to get involved in that sort of thing. You know, thankfully, none of my clients have called me up and say, why didn't you get, tell us to get GameStop? Um, again, that's not what I do. I let the professionals manage things, and, and they do it unemotionally, and they wouldn't have gotten involved in that. They're looking at how do we invest in the markets to make a reasonable return to manage the risk that our clients are exposed to and get them to the end result they're looking to, to receive.
So you know, I I think that this is. Uh... You know, in, in my personal opinion, based on what I see, this is not going to stop. Now, people are getting together all over, all over the the, the internet and in all sorts of different social uh, networks, discussing this sort of situation. And uh, you know, they they just keep popping up now. You know, it's, it's, mm -hmm. it seems to be a trend. And I don't know un, unless the the government steps in in any significant fashion uh, to regulate this and to to stop communication because these guys they, they just talk to each other on the web. Next thing you know, you have 10,000 people buying one stock it's yeah. inevitably is going to have a massive effect on the on the value of that specific company no it will it will but the point being it only ever has that effect temporarily and then you know ultimately the value of a company's shares has to be based on its opportunity to to generate revenue and when the stock price gets out of whack with that business's underlying fundamentals you know, someone's going to get hurt. Well, so. and, and I think that, uh, you know, and this goes back down to this whole notion of, uh, you know, getting rich quick schemes that uh, people are always trying to cut corners in relation to wealth accumulation. And the, the truth is this, that you, you cannot beat just constant and steady investment in your portfolio and making sure that you make the right decisions, that you associate with the right person, instead of just trying to you know, jump into a pyramid scheme that you never know when, when everything is going to just crumble into nothingness. Um, because you, know, you could, yes, you could, as, as easily as you can be in the, in the, in the winning side of a, of a scheme like this one, you could also very easily be uh, buying that stock at the top end right before the bottom falls out. And then what? Correct? Yeah. 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 And some, like I said, someone ends up owning the shares at the highest price and having to, to sell them at the low price and they get hurt. So, you know, I, this made me think, and, and I think we've talked about this on the, the show before. It made me think of something I was told in, inside my first year when I came into the industry and they talked about the amount of gambling that the average household in, in Canada does. And, you know, at that time, the statistic was the average Canadian household spends $200 a month gambling. Um, that is literally going to the casino. It's buying scratch tickets and lottery tickets and, and playing bingo and buying raffle tickets, all the things that we do day-to-day -day as a society, the average is 200 per month per household. And, you know, rather than gamble, if they just took $200 a month from the time they were 20 years old and put it in the stock market for, you know, all of their working years from age of 20 to age 65, 45 years of doing that, at an eight percent growth rate, they'd have nearly a million dollars. And that you, that whole concept you don't need to is, is no, you don't need to gamble. And that that whole concept is just beyond most people's comprehension. But uh, you know, folks, you're listening to uh, the Greg Carrasco show here, Canada's largest automotive radio show, and with us is Money Mike. You know, teaching us ways as to not to waste your money and to how to take control of your finances. You know, for your later years. And uh, his direct line is nine zero five three two zero six seven six two, or you can send him an email at moneymike.ca. Uh, folks, don't forget that the show is brought to you by Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity, home of the no commission salespeople. We're going to take a small break and we'll be right back after the break. Bye-bye. The Greg Carrasco Show is brought to you by Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity, home of the no commission salespeople. And uh, we understand that times are, times are a little rough out there. So for the month of February, 
regardless of what you drive, regardless of the brand, regardless of the year, it doesn't matter. You come in and service your vehicle at either Oakville Nissan or Oakville Infinity, and we will pay for your HST. There's no need for you to go anywhere else. We have a two state-of-the-art facility with over 40 bays uh, ready to look after you, and um, just make sure that you call us in and book your appointment online because everything is through appointments, and we have some of the strictest COVID-19 protocols, and uh, we'll we'll get you taken care of. And with me in the studio is uh, I'm not in, at the studio, but you know, with us on on the line right now is Money Mike, who is my personal financial advisor. This is the guy that is helping me make everything possible and make sure that uh, when I go, because go I will. <laughs> My my spawn, my offspring, it's taken care of. And uh, his name is Money Mike, and you can call him at 905-320-6762, or you can send him an email at moneymike.ca. You know, usually when you're on a mic, time goes, goes by really quickly, and thank you so much for explaining that GameStop thing. But, you know, I want to use the last few minutes of the uh, of the show for us to, you know, just to have a little bit of a refresher when it comes to the RSP because the RSP season is upon us right now. And uh, I think that it's important that we discuss this in the last few weeks that people have to, to buy some RSPs. What do you think? Yeah, we could absolutely do that. Let's talk about some some tips for the season that's just got about uh, three weeks left in it, three in, three in a few days. So, um, yeah, so some tips for RSP season. So first, let me say this. You have to get your asset location right. People are used to financial advisors talking about asset allocation, um, but mm-hmm. now I want to talk about the asset location. And, you know, Tim Sussnick always puts out some great articles. Uh, he's a, a tax expert. I, I believe he still works for CIBC. He's one of their, uh, one of their higher-ups. And mm-hmm. he, uh, you know, brings a lot of really good points to mind. So, you know, when it comes to owning stocks and fixed income assets, remember anything in the fixed income world, you pay your your highest marginal tax rate on every dollar that's earned. So you want to own fixed income assets inside an RSP whenever possible. I, mm-hmm. I don't know what your risk level should be, but um, make sure that they're held inside that plan so that all the earnings are tax deferred. We want to be able to avoid taxes today. So uh, get those inside the RSP. So make sure that they're not outside in things like non-registered plans. Point number two, um, avoid doing withdrawals for short-term debts. Um, <laughs> yeah, this is this is what kills people. They'll they'll look at a debt and just say, you know what, I owe whatever it is, $5,000, and I want to get it paid off. So let me just take the money out of my RSP and just be done with it. Pay it it off, yeah. And, and, you know, they're so afraid of, you know, a 5% car loan or a 9% credit card, but sometimes they're pulling money out of their RSPs at a 40% tax rate in order to avoid. Yeah, you just, not only is it not a, a logical mathematical thing to do, but it kills your retirement. Remember we were talking before how, you know, a $10,000 RSP contribution today could be 50,000 in retirement. That's a $50,000 decision you're making. The same is true of pulling money out of your RSP. You're not pulling out 10,000 to pay off a debt. You're, you're depriving yourself of $50,000 of assets in retirement. So just don't do it. Leave it, Mm -hmm. leave it there. Um, Number three, he said, uh, don't contribute your losers. So, 
you know, there's specific rules when you have a loss in a stock that you can actually claim what they call a capital loss to reduce your income taxes from future gains. But if you mm -hmm. take a stock that's in a loss position and you transfer it inside your RSP, now you've lost that cap you've lost the use of that capital loss it's called a superficial loss rule if you continue to own that stock within 30 days of, of when you sold it out of your non-registered portfolio the government won't let you claim the loss so you you kind of hurt yourself uh, by not taking advantage of what should have been there to, to benefit your taxes so uh, contributing your gains to an rsp that's fine uh, contributing cash to an RSP is good. Don't take losing stocks and, and ship them inside your RSP. You're going to hurt yourself. The fourth one is claim your deduction in the right year. Now, this one actually is really critical. Because, Why is that? Well, you, you know, oftentimes we'll find ourselves in a, in a position that's not normal. We've got a large sum of cash or we've got a, a small windfall that's come into our lives, and we want to put it into our RSP to accelerate our retirement plan. Great idea. But once you put it into your RSP, the question becomes, when do you claim the deduction? And, mm -hmm. and this is where you're going to need some advice from a professional because the, your tax bracket is not universal. It is a graduated tax system that we have here in Canada. So at higher income levels, you get a huge tax return for that RSP contribution. But if you drive your income too low by putting too much in RSPs in a single year, each incremental dollar you put into those RSPs doesn't give you as big of a refund. That's so, right. That's right. You know, yeah. if, if you drop $25,000 into RSP, should you claim it all in the same year? Or should you claim part of it now and hang on to part of it for a future year? We have to really take a look at our, our income, look at the tax brackets, and come up with a plan to say when is the right year to claim all these deductions. So you can, mm -hmm. you can put $25,000 in and not claim it all. You can decide to use only portions of it each time. Get with a professional, have a conversation about how should I break down and structure my claiming of these deductions to maximize my return. So okay. make sure you get that right. Okay. And, you know, in sometime in the spring, we're going to have a conversation about estate planning, but this one hits that target. Make sure you monitor your beneficiary designations. What does Especially, that mean? Well, you can name a beneficiary for your RSP accounts. Where does this money go if I pass away? And, you know, if you're opening up a new RSP account, if you've changed institutions and, and moved from, from one company to another, you've got to make sure that you have your, your beneficiaries named properly. Uh, you, and that falls into your estate plan. You want, it, you want that money to go to your spouse so that you can avoid any taxation. And then ultimately, you know, there's some decisions you have to make if, if you are the last of the, the spouses or if you are single, uh, mm -hmm. because there's going to be tax implications to leave your R RSP to somebody. So you've got to talk about who should be the beneficiary of those assets. Should now, I what happens if you don't have a beneficiary, it just goes towards your state? Is that what, is that what happens? Well, even if you have beneficiaries, oftentimes it should go toward your estate. You know, yeah, I see a lot of people who are the, the last of a couple or that they are single, you know, they're divorced and they've got kids and they say, I'm, I want to leave my RSPs to, to my kids. But 
the best place oftentimes for that money to be left is to your estate so that your will can direct those assets. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, unfortunately, financial institutions with beneficiary designations on an RSP account cannot take complex instructions. In other words, I want this money to go to my two kids, but what if my what if one of my kids have passed away? Where would I want their share of inheritance to go? To go? Yeah. And and your RSP designation can't do that. You need your will to direct that. So anyway, keep keep monitoring those. It's one of those things that can be out of sight, out of mind, and, and we lose track of it over the years, but it's critical to review that every now and then. Uh, when you're doing you know, your RSP contribution, it's a good time to do it. It It is, and I don't know if we have enough time, but um, you know, last but not least, we had a question last week about the RSP loan strategy. Uh, right. Can you touch that in about a minute or so? I can. So uh, I, I did have uh, one of the viewers reach out and say, hey, how do I do this? You know, I make $60,000 a year and I've already made some RSP contributions. Does this strategy work for me? And so we were able to look at his, his tax bracket and say, yeah, you know what? If you take out X amount of dollars in an RSP loan based on your tax bracket, then you will get a sufficient tax refund to pay off your loan. And what you can do is find an institution that will do an RSP loan, but defer your first payment on the loan for 90 days. And that will give you enough time to file your tax return and get that refund money back. And you can pay the loan off before you ever have to make a payment. So, yes, that, that can be applicable. But again, we've got to pay attention to those tax brackets. So talk to a professional to find out how much should you take advantage of that. But, but you know, the interesting thing is the, the follow-up question from this uh, young listener was, if I do this every year, will my retirement be okay? Is this, a good, is this a good strategy to do every year? So, you know, the answer to those questions were, yes, it is a good strategy to do every year. Whether or not that gets you to where you want to be at retirement is a very it's, complex, it's another story. Yeah. Very, we need a heck of a lot more, a lot more information in order to make that determination. But it is a great strategy, and it is, is can be used by everybody. Thank you so much, uh, folks. That is all the wisdom that's coming from my personal financial advisor here. He, this is the guy that he's the architect that is putting together how I'm going to retire and how I'm, I'm spending my money these days. He seems to have weight. You have way too much control over my life, Mike. But uh, <laughs> if you if you need some help planning this, just like I did, and uh, you can call him at nine zero five three two zero six seven six two, or you can send him an email at moneymike.ca. You know, once again, Mike, thank you so much for joining the Carrasco Show, and uh, I look forward to speaking to you next and uh, we need to go for a small break folks and uh, you will be right back with the largest automotive radio show in Canada the Greg Carrasco show and we're back Slacker Nation has returned and this is the last hour of the show and just like we do every single Saturday mornings actually early afternoon um, this is your hour this is uh, this is the hour where you call us and talk about any questions suggestions issues grievances beefs the number to call is 416-870-1050. And if you're calling from out of town, is 1-855-591-6876. The number again is 416-870-1050. So if you're looking at buying a car, leasing a car, uh, getting rid of a car, trading a car, if you, if, if you want to decide whether you should you know, keep it or scrap it, if you want to decide whether to buy it at the end of a lease or not, if you want to, if you want to, you know, an objective opinion as to what to decide between one, two, or three vehicles, call me. 
416-870-1050 is the number. The only thing that I ask every single Saturday is that I hope that you have a thick skin because, uh, you know, um, in typical Carrasco fashion, I don't care about your feelings. Not many people care about mine, so I don't care about your feelings. And this is just a car. It doesn't have a soul. It doesn't have feelings. It's just a car. You do. The car doesn't. So on, on that basis, uh, I think that this is a very, very interesting show for you to come in and, and call and get that perspective that is so easily found from people that, you know, shouldn't be sticking their noses in the car industry. Uh, you know, I have to tell you, man, we, everyone has a, a friend or an uncle, you know, or my dad, you know, my, <laughs> my dad buys cars, you know, you know, he's bought a lot of cars. I can tell you this, folks, that today alone, Today alone, you know, because I'm still at home now broadcasting from my house. A lot of people don't even know that I broadcast a, a show on TSN out of, you know, one of the bedrooms of my house here in Oakville. Um, you know, a lot of people don't know that today, you know, when I get to the office around 2 o'clock in the afternoon. So from 2 o'clock in the afternoon until 6 when the store closes, I will go through more car transactions, Ken, than the average human will go through the, in the entire lifetime. That is in five hours. Well, what do you what so, do you think the average is for that? For one person in an entire lifetime? Like you figure you well, might go you know, through on the heavy side fifteen or twenty? No, not that many. And most people don't drive that many cars. That's, that's what I'm saying. Like on a, for a heavy, heavy buyer who's switching it out, you know, every couple of years, every four or five years, you know, you figure maybe ten to fifteen, but you'll certainly do well, like at, you said, you'll do this more way. than that on a Saturday. No, afternoon. I mean the, 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 the reality is this, that at any given point in, in any one of my stores, we will have anywhere between, you know, 10 to 40 people in one day. And those are all part of a transaction. So there is so much accumulated automotive experience here that it is virtually impossible not to pick it up, you know, just through osmosis, just because I happen to be in the same room that this transaction is being conducted. There aren't very many situations that I haven't experienced in the past. And all that knowledge is is. It's just pumped into the show every single Saturday mornings in which you can just ask and I'll tell you, you know, what would I do if I were you? What would I do if you were my brother or my sister or my mom? What would I do with all that I know? And time and time again, people don't listen. <laughs> just people don't listen. They call me, they call me when it's too late, Ken. You know, I, it's a typical phone call that I will get. Greg, you know, uh, I, I went to my local store and uh, I bought the car, but I think I made a mistake. Can you help me out? <laughs> it's no, like we... <laughs> I can't. I won't help you. <laughs> well, it's not that you don't want to. It's just that sometimes it's too late. And, you know, for the listeners, you know, give us a call. 416-870-1050. 416-870-1050. If you have a question about a lease, what your options are, if you're looking to buy used, if you're looking to buy new... Greg will have some advice for you, but like you said, hopefully it's not too late. It's a lot of people call for the advice, but you're already in the too situation. Late. You already it's didn't get the late. lease and protection. You already didn't get the extended warranty, and or you already bought the car, and now all of a sudden it's making a weird clicking noise while you're driving down the 401 and burning oil, and you don't know what to do. So hopefully for your sake you haven't made the mistake yet, but give us a ring and we'll let you know uh, or give you some advice and some clarity on the situation as to what the options are. The real what definition of a slacker. 
that that is that is correct ben you know i think that it's it's important for folks to know that uh, you know the more information that you pump into your decision making process especially when it comes to a car there is no downside to that uh, and, and the truth is this and and this is something that i discuss in in every sales meeting we have never seen this fewer people walking in through car dealerships um, because a lot of the research, a lot of the decisions have already been made at home. Um, you know, back back in the day and, you know, in the early 90s when, when the Internet wasn't a thing, when email was just just coming out, you know, people would have to actually go and buy the Auto Trader magazine or the Consumers Reports or, you know, all this, uh, you know, car and driver and read and do some research on their own. And that would take uh, a little while for you to get used to what is was out there in the market. And after you decided that you had a couple of cars within your shopping list, uh, you will go and visit the local dealerships. You would go to the Honda, the Toyota, the Nissan, the Mazda, the Volkswagen. You know, back in back in the day was Daywood. Remember Daywood? That that was before your time, Ken. No, it was, and I'm, I'm having a hard time imagining a time period before even these websites like Kelly Blue Book were around, which just give you almost instant analysis on. What your on car everything. is worth, yeah, based <laughs> on, on the on condition, everything. based on the mileage, based on the options, whether as the sunroof, whether as the premium sound system, oh, all these things. Dude, it was, it just it was so cumbersome the back then. So cumbersome. You know, if, if somebody wanted to buy a used car, uh, there was this uh, this super, super two or three inch thick Auto Trader book that uh, only had very, very few glossy pages. Everything else was just this black and white uh, terrible quality pictures that you know by the <laughs> time like you, you know end up yeah you end up, ended up flipping all the pages your fingers were black with the ink that would come out of it and you know by the time you would call this dealership the cars were already gone because the, the books were about a week behind so <laughs> there were so many there were so many obstacles that we had back in the day that today are simply not there you know i was talking to um I was talking to some of my salespeople last week and we were discussing how different it is to sell cars today than it was when, when I, when I first started. And, uh, I, I still remember, um, one of the first things that was, uh, that was said to me is, you know, how, how do I talk to a customer? Because I was brand new, you know, I, I could barely speak English at the time and, uh, uh, there were no customers for me. The, the guys that were working at that store, they were all there for many, many, many years. And many of them were just ruthless. Most of them are gone, but, um, so what they did for me, Ken, is that they gave me the phone book. They said, here, start, start with a B. <laughs> Started making phone calls. Uh, hello, Mr. Brown. Uh, this is, um, Greg Carrasco from 401 Dixon. He said, click. <laughs> hello, Mr. Stevens. Stevens, uh, this is Greg Carrasco from 401 Dixon. Uh, click. <laughs> you know, there were so many clicks that I hear in my lifetime that now I just, <laughs> you know, I'm, I start twitching every time somebody hangs up on me, but. Oh, man. Uh, I can't even imagine. Like that being like just the cold calling that whole situation. I have some friends of mine who are in marketing and they're just doing that all the time. Just trying to look at prospective clients, like follow up on leads. And I'm like, man, like it's just brutal. You're making sometimes 120, 140, 150 calls a day. And you might get, you know, three or four of those calls saying, yeah, we'd be willing to talk again. And then the next time you talk, click, it's just, uh, it's brutal. It it is brutal, and uh, I, I've always really I don't know why or how, but I un understood the the whole concept of mass communication, and uh, one of the things that I did when I when I first started, um, I remember just 
taken a picture of myself and put it in on a flyer, you know, and I call myself the car guy. This was in the early 90s when, you know, now there are the car guys everywhere, but um, it, it was just the car guy. And I put in there 10 reasons to buy a car from me. And uh, I put my cell phone number uh, or my pager at the time. <laughs> Pages, that's before now your time. Now you're dating yourself. <laughs> The pager. I had a pager. Oh, yes. And I would get the beep, beep. Man. Did you, did you include a quarter to... as well so people could use the pay phone to, to call that pager of yours or uh, what? No, no, no. That was in Chile. You know, I, you know, believe it or not, we never had a phone in my house. So there was only uh, you know, pay phones. And there were very few houses in the neighborhood that had a phone. And uh, they would use their house phone and they would charge by the minute. So there would be a lineup of people trying to make phone calls, you know, through the window of the houses that had the phone. It's the funniest thing. But, but you know, you, I digress. You, you distract me there, Ken. So what I did, <laughs> my, my mistake, what, what, what I did was is that I printed this, uh, you know, the, my face and uh, my name, my, my pager number with 10 reasons to buy a vehicle from me. And uh, I, I printed this on fluorescent green paper. So I printed about two, three thousand of these things uh, in batches, and uh, I remember my son Josh. He was little man. He was like four, four or five, and uh, we would take this little, you know, uh, stroller or you know this cart, and we would you know pull it around the neighborhood, and uh, it was a father-son thing that we did on Sundays. So so he would just run up the little steps and uh, just put it in the in in the door handle, and we would put flyers and we would pick neighborhoods. You know every single. Week and it would be a different neighborhood. I feel like and, people uh, are more friendly when it's a child dropping off the flyers to their house than when child it's child labor. I know, yeah, man. Yeah, I know. You're going <laughs> to yell at a four year old or a five year old who's dropping something off on your property, but. No, it was it was cute, man, and and the number of cars that I sold because of that was crazy. So you know, Josh grew, and we, we continued to do this for years and years and years. And uh, you know, what I can tell you is that you know, today you go into Instagram and you can say, oh, "Listen, I have this car, this deal," and boom, we reached a hundred thousand people with one click. Uh, it's something that was not available to us back in the day before computers uh, were available at the stores, but. Man, it's, it's so interesting how different it is today to sell cars than it was when we first started. Well, to be honest, um, it's still an underutilized aspect. Like, I'm speaking from an outside perspective, but it seems like a lot of people still have the idea that they need to go into the dealership. Or it's one of those things where maybe because it's a bigger purchase and a bigger investment and there's more at stake, they feel like they want to have that interpersonal connection. But you were been saying the whole time you've been selling cars online for the last 10 years, basically. And now it's we've seen the shift in the market where people are more comfortable making these transactions online. And oftentimes there's no need to even talk to a salesperson or even make your way into the store except for to get your keys. And that's the transition you know, that we've seen in the market. We have, but I mean, that's that's from a consumer standpoint, from from an actual sales standpoint, the the electronic or virtual or digital retailing revolution started a long, long time ago, Ken. You know, I I was a pretty good salesperson. Um, you know, I still like to think that I am. And, uh, you know, whenever we need to, you know, have a discussion with a customer in which they need some help in the decision-making process, they will call me in and, and I will jump. It's something that I do every single day that I am at the store. If a customer leaves without talking to me, it's not a good thing. Um, you know, that's the only way that I can just you know, understand or convince myself that everything was done to be able to put that customer into something that we may have. But, um, you know, I still remember when, uh, 
I can't. What was the first uh, Windows uh, from Microsoft? It was just called Windows, right? Uh, I'm not sure. I think the first one that I used there was Windows 95, Windows 98. 95. I'm not sure what came before then. But I think presumably just Windows. Yeah, let's say that it was Windows or Windows 95. That's the first, you know, that's the first thing that comes to mind. And, and I remember that it, it came equipped with something they call Outlook, you know, that I, believe it or not, I still use. But back in the day, I mean, we're talking, you know, 25 years ago, um, a lot of the guys and girls that were selling cars, they were in their 40s and 50s, and they were not adopting new technology. And I was very, very young. I was in my early 20s. So one of the things that I noticed very, very uh, early on in my career, Ken, was this, that you know, some of the more successful salespeople had all their bill of sales. They had all the bill of sales, uh, you know, broken down by alphabetical order, by the month in which the vehicles were sold, and they had filing cabinet after filing cabinet after filing cabinet. And, and you know, those were the more proficient and uh, successful ones. And then you had other ones that would have Rolodex with all the names of the customers with the date and so on. So, you know, they would have to just transpose all that information into little cue cards uh, for them to do their own follow-up. But um, when they introduced uh, Windows, I remember I was um, I was given one of the first computers that that was at four hundred one Dixon Eason at the time, and uh, I discovered this Outlook thing, and Outlook was a fascinating tool. Uh, because he had something that I had never seen before. And I know, you know, we, we take all this stuff for granted now because, you know, everything that you need to learn about anything or anything that you need to remember about anyone is all pumped into your face by social media. You know, how every day I get, oh, guess, uh, Ken Stapleton's birthday is today. Uh, you know, you have memories with Ken Stapleton, you know, on, on Facebook. <laughs> so you are constantly being reminder or you are constantly being made less and less effective at remembering things. Yeah. Because you have systems that make you, uh, that remind you this stuff but you see you know 25 years ago this this outlook situation was interesting because you could create a contact so you would sell a car to anyone and uh, you would put in all the information of this customer you know mr stapen you know this is his birthday driver license this is what he bought uh, this is uh, when the lease is up or the loan is up or this is six months in and so on and so on so you could literally structure every single customer to be in your computer and you would create some recurrent events. So I was able to follow up with my people every six months. So this would be done at, at inception. So every time the vehicle, you know, when a customer would first come in, I would just put it in my system. So I, and I would create my follow-up schedule manually. So this way I didn't have to worry too much about populating my days. And, you know, and something that happened very early on, Ken, is that I started to fill up my own calendar. So meanwhile, everybody was waiting for someone to walk through the door. I I had been putting everything in the computer and every day, you know, there were events that would pop up automatically. And that gave me a competitive advantage that was so aggressive over everyone that uh, inevitably I ended up selling more cars than just about everyone else. And, you know, at one point for a few years, I, I became the top salesperson in the country. You were basically uh, like it, Ferris Bueller. <laughs> he wanted he, where he didn't get he didn't get the car for his birthday. He got the computer. But that gave him the competitive advantage because he was actually able to hack into the school matrix and change his absent days so that nobody knew they was actually skipping school nine times a semester. I need to watch that movie again. Folks, if you have a comment on what I'm talking about this morning, call us at 416-870-1050, 416-870-1050, or if you call them from out of town, it's one 591 6876 And don't forget that the show is brought to you by Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity. We are the home of the no commission salespeople and for the month of February, 
craziness is happening there. Craziness. So if you drive what whatever brand you have, it doesn't matter what you drive, and you need to do service, you can come and service at Oakville Nissan or Oakville Infinity, and my crew is going to pay for your tax. So you don't have to pay for tax for the month of February. No tax February. When you service any brand at one of my two stores, Oakville Nissan, Oakville Infinity, believe me, you don't have the need to go anywhere else. You can come and see me. We'll take care of you. Well, let's go for a small break and we'll continue with the conversation. 416-870-1050 is the number. Call me. I've got it right here in front of me. He has missed nine days. I asked for a car, I got a computer. How's that for being born under a bad sign? You know, I, I got a computer, man. I didn't have a demo, but they gave me a computer. It was a big, you know, I kid you not. I, when I was the, uh, the, the, the fresh <laughs> recruit at my first sales job, I didn't have a demo. So I still need to take the bus because my car broke down. But they gave me a computer. Hey, and listen. That changed it. And it changed, changed the game. Everything. It gave you the competitive advantage. And uh, here we are. Was it 20, 20, 30, 30 years later almost at this point? Yeah, I was a, I was a pretty early adopter, and that uh, it, it made all the difference. As I sit here staring at an iPad, a MacBook, and my iPhone, <laughs> some, some things never changed. Uh, but, uh, you know, one, one of the things that, um, that we're doing at the store for, actually, that Nissan is doing, and uh, I don't feel Nissan, we're pushing it to the next level. Um, something that I wanted to discuss with you, Ken, is that this whole idea of pulling out early, Leases, that is, and um, it's um, oh. <laughs> it's something that uh, that is often people don't understand when is the right time to get out of a lease early, and there's a couple of things that need to be true. So I, I wanna I wanna leave the phone lines open. The number to call is four one six eight seven zero ten fifty. If you have any questions about your lease, or if you wanna get out of a lease, or you know you're tired of your car, you just wanna get rid of it. Um, it's important that uh, that you call because there there are so many different factors that you need to take into consideration before you make the decision of getting out of a lease, or if you are even able to get out of a lease early or even at the end, believe it or not, uh, even after your lease ends, sometimes you're still stuck because um, you didn't listen to the Carrasco gospel on the Carrasco show. And I always tell you the right thing to do now. And that is regardless of the brand that you buy. So a couple of things. The um, For the month of February, if you have a Nissan lease, and this is a Nissan lease, it doesn't matter uh, where you are. If you're driving an, a Nissan and it's a lease and you have up to 18 months left on your lease, we can get you out. We can literally get you out. And uh, the question is, do you want to get out? And why should you want to get out? And who does this apply to? So there are there is a few things that you need to take into consideration. Uh, number one is that if you if you have a if the original lease on your vehicle was a, a minimum of thirty six months, then you would qualify simply because you know you you really can't get out of a lease at any point at, that is less than fifty percent of the remaining of of your lease. Um, so 
A, a couple of things happen when you when you lease a vehicle. Uh, the, a lease payment is is comprised of three different things. You have the monthly depreciation, you month you have the monthly uh, carrying cost, and then you have your interest rate and taxes. So you know every single month that you have an actual payment, the a portion of that principal is coming off. So at some point during the duration of that lease, it doesn't happen very often unless there, there is the contribution from the manufacturer, uh, in which they will help us pay for some of those depreciations, and we. Are are able to get you out but um, it doesn't you know it's not a good idea if you are looking at getting a vehicle that you have extremely high kilometers that you haven't paid for um, let me explain one of the biggest problems that we have with leases across the country is this in an attempt for you to reduce your payments you underbuy kilometers with the promise that if you lease another vehicle at the end of the term the dealership is going to waive those kilometers so, for example, if you are driving 35,000 kilometers a year and you have an, you know, a payment of X number of dollars, let's say $500, but if you lease the same vehicle and you drive and you pay $400, which constitute only 25,000 kilometers a year, you're going to be upside down every single month for driving additional kilometers that you're not paying for. So what this happens is that it, it increases the rate of depreciation that you are accumulating on the vehicle, but you're not paying enough of the depreciation because your payments are not high enough. So at the end of a lease, and this is a typical trick that takes place, and people don't even know what's happening here, is that you end up with two, three, four, sometimes even up to $10,000 of additional kilometer penalty that you're going to have to pay because you should have never had that monthly payment in the first place. Does this make sense, Ken? Yeah, it does. And it's. I think this is the misconception or ultimately the predicament that a lot of people that have leases end up getting into is that at the end, Generally, it seems the contract favors the, the dealership or whoever signed off on it initially. And then the consumer is trying to figure out ways that they don't have to pay money back to the dealership. And oftentimes, they've gone well over the allotted know, mileage or they've gone over there's wear and tear on the car or whatever. You need to fix like the dent in the door or whatever. And you're on the hook for all this money. So then inherently, the consumer goes into another lease because the dealership says, hey, you know, if you sign on for another, you know, 36 months on like a new car, then you won't have to forgive any of that. But it's just a perpetual cycle where the consumer gets stuck and they just keep re-upping and re-upping because they don't want to pay the, you know, 4000 or $5,000 sometimes in more aggressive situations up front to get out of the contract based off of what they signed off on. Well, in, in, uh, something that a lot of people don't know is that if you buy the kilometers up front at lease inception, so if you lease a vehicle today, for example, and you buy an additional 5,000 kilometers a year, you pay X number of cents per those kilometers because you're buying them proactively ahead of time. If you pay them at the end as a penalty, it's a different price. And it's often a huge premium that you pay on the value of those kilometers when you pay them as a penalty at the end. So whereas... You know, it would be 10 cents up front when you pay them at the end as a penalty is 15 cents. So you, you're talking about a 50% spread in, in, it often happens in luxury car manufacturers. So it's something that we, you know, we severely advise you against. Never underbuy kilometers for the sake of a smaller payments because all that's going to happen is that everything is going to come due when your lease is up and you are going to be stuck. When somebody tells you, oh, you know, don't worry about it, we're going to waive it for you. That's one of the number one signs that you are not dealing with straightforward 
um, salesmanship, I would say, because I can tell you this. If somebody ever says to you, don't worry about it, we'll look after you at the end. All right. You with me, Ken? As long as, well, it seems to me, and we've talked about this ad nauseum <laughs> on the show, if it's not in writing, it basically it didn't happen. Didn't happen. So don't happen. so don't listen to the salesperson, don't listen to the manager, don't listen to anybody who's giving you assurances in a conversation. If it's not in the contract, it doesn't matter, and you are going to be responsible and on the hook at the end. You have to put yourself in a position where you're able to succeed as a consumer rather than putting you at the mercy of these salesmen or these managers at the end of your lease when you come back to the table and say, hey, you said that so-and-so said they would take care of me. And guess what? Sometimes so-and-so isn't even there or they're going to remember the conversation differently. Well, so it has to be very, in writing. It's a very interesting point because, uh, you know, this is what's going to happen. If somebody says to you, you know, um, you, you're going to drive an, an additional, you know, two or 3,000 kilometers a year or 5,000 kilometers a year. And then the salesperson says to you, you know what? Don't worry about it. When the time comes, we'll look after you. The first thing that should come out of your mouth would be, okay, can you put that in the contract? And if the salesperson says, no, 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 don't worry about that. You know, I'll, I'll take care of you. Greasy. It's, it's, it's one of those, it's one of the things that just make me, it makes me cringe because the average salesperson in Canada stays at their local dealership for an average of eight months. Did you know that? <laughs> My so, goodness. I, I figured it would be a short <laughs> amount of time, but I did not think that it was going to be as short as eight months. And guess what? If you're signing a 36 month lease, spoiler alert. That guy's going to have been gone for, or that person's going to have been gone for two years now, likely, if you're going by the average time. So, like we said before, likely the person that you were talking to isn't even around. So then in, in, who's going to vouch in, for you? It's very interesting because, uh, you know, what, what happens is this. Sometimes, especially, and this is one of the reasons why I moved away from commission, because, you know, it just doesn't make sense to pay commission anymore. And when you have a salesperson that has no vested interest other than, just helping you make the right decision, then it removes the personal benefit factor of selling you a car. So, you know, the, if somebody, if you're dealing with a professional that wants to see you when your lease comes up, and there are many, many salespeople that are uh, the, the definition of professionalism. If you're dealing with a professional, and, and the moment that they give you a promise, they would actually take notes, they're going to put it in your contract, they are going to initial it, you are going to initial it, and the sales manager or whoever is in charge of the sales floor is going to sign for it. This way, the dealership protects itself from promises from people that may or may not be there two, three, four, five years from now, and also you are protecting yourself because now you are not going to have to rely on memory. You know, we hear this all the time, Ken. Uh, you know, my salesperson told me that um, I, I didn't have to pay for dents and scratches or that I didn't have to pay for if I lost a key fob that these days seem to be like $10,000. You know, key fobs are one of the most expensive things that never really makes sense. I think that, you know, in most car manufacturers, you, you're talking five, $600 for a key fob. Did you know that? Yeah, and how much is the manufacturing price of those? Like, it's so exponential, and anybody that's ever lost their keys, as oh, I have in the past. And we, ha we have to pay the same. 
they're they're simply just expensive. I mean, there's so much tech that goes into one of your uh, one of your key fobs. I mean, you're talking oh, especially security system, now. You, you're talking remote starter. You look. You, you're talking disabling systems. You, you're talking all sorts of different things. So you know the things are expensive. But you know what I'm getting at is this: that there are some you know there are some conditions that need to be true in order for you to be able to accomplish what you want to do. And if you don't have somebody looking out for your best interest, it's very easy for you to get into hot water. And and that's one of the reasons why this show is so important because. After being on, on air for about 13 years, I am one of your only common denominators when it comes to car advice. And I will not take any chances. You know, if you have any comments on this, call us 416-870-1050, 416-870-1050. And if you've ever gotten stuck with promises that were not kept, if you ever got stuck with a lease in, in an uncomfortable situation, I want to know about it. Because, you know, you, you may think uh, that, you know, nobody cares. But the, the truth is this, that if you share your story with us, you will be surprised as to how many people are going through the exact same thing. And then they don't even know that they're getting themselves into trouble until three, four, five years from now. And and it happens all the time. Now, you know, going back to getting out of the lease early. So, you know, first you need to ask yourself, why am I doing this? If you're doing it just because you want a new car, don't do it. Don't do it. You're just going to complicate your life for no reason. You know, don't trouble trouble until trouble troubles you. Somebody said that once. I can't remember now. But, you know, it, it, it makes so much sense to me. If you are perfectly fine with the vehicle that you have, if you're comfortable with the payments, if you're comfortable with everything, then don't change it if you don't have to because every time you change a vehicle, there are monies that need to be made and the manufacturer wants to get you out early. Now, there are some circumstances that change that. For example, if you your family's growing and the vehicle is not big enough, if you took a job that keeps you on the road all the time and you need to go into northern areas where the snow belt is happening and you don't have a all-wheel drive vehicle and you need to have more safety. Boom, there's another reason. If you have changed jobs and you're not making as much as you once did and uh, now you need to reduce your payments, that's another reason to break it down. Or if you don't drive as much as you once did and now you don't need all the you know bells and whistles that you bought in the last car that you're paying $2,000 a month and now you can live with a car that uh, you can stare at on your driveway because you know the truth is this that <laughs> when when 90 over 90% of the life of a car uh is wasted by the vehicle just adorning your driveway did you know that it's a crazy stat no it makes that, sense though it's because even like even if you have a long commute it's like figure you're going an hour a day 5 days a week or 2 hours a day 5 days a week that's still you know 10% of the day only 10% well, that you're sitting there and so it's going to spend most of its time in a parking lot or, or in your driveway, unless you're a, a long-distance trucker where you're driving, most, you know, for 10 to 14 hours a day. It's the most expensive driveway ornament. <laughs> you know, you just leave it there to uh, to make your driveway look better. But 90% of the life of a car is spent outside, <laughs> exposed to the elements, or in a parking lot somewhere. I got to be so honest. We, some of my uh, older cars made my driveway look worse by uh, <laughs> by, leaking, <laughs> by leaking fluids all over them. Uh, they weren't necessarily oh, no. the most aesthetically pleasing. Uh, we've talked about my first car being a 1998 Chevrolet Tracker. Very mechanically sound, but it certainly wasn't a looker. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> the Chevrolet Tracker. I just threw up in my mouth a bit, but, you know, I'm sure that it got to, it got hey, to do It never high broke school, down, though. though. I got I to give it credit. It never broke down. How how many years did you have it? Uh, probably about two or three. Eventually, it ended up... Um, it just wasn't wasn't really good on the highway. 
kind of got a little bit of the shutter going on, so I ended up having to get rid of it because I was doing a lot of commuting. You had to do it, but it, it, the, the truth is, is that you know every single day, Ken, I see people wasting money on cars, buying too much cars. The number one thing that people do, you know, I, I'm going to use this, all this space. I need eight passengers. <laughs> and there's, you have one kid. You know, why do you need all this? Why do, do you need all this surface? Why do you need all this cargo capacity? It's only one kid in your house. Or I need 500 horsepower when, you know, just like a canned sex life, you know, three seconds, you're breaking the law. <laughs> Goodness, give me a little bit more credit than that. <laughs> I don't know about that. But, Boom you know, roasted. folks, the vast majority of you are spending way too much money on cars. You don't need to. You know, it all comes down to how much you need to make yourself feel good or feel happy about something. And, um, you know, car being the number one and biggest waste of money that anyone could potentially have, why don't you take a more pragmatic and a more reasonable or rational look at, at a car buying transaction when when there are so many options out there. I mean, you know, the fact that people are still paying interest on, on new car loans today is crazy. You know, at my store right now, you can get 0% on used cars. <laughs> you know, both Nissan and Infiniti. So you come in, you look at a used cars, we will give you 0% financing depending on what, what you're looking at and what your credit is like. Do we have a phone call there? Ken? Ooh, sorry about that. Ben was just uh, talking to me about a caller, but I guess uh, they dropped off the line. Can you just repeat what you're saying? No, I was asking you if there was a caller there, so I didn't want to ignore you guys. No, no, yeah, we had a caller, but um, they were they were just they uh, didn't want to come on the air, so no problem. You know, why don't we do this? Let's take a small break, folks, and uh, I need to have a drink of water here. And uh, you're listening to the Greg Carrasco Show here, Canada's largest automotive radio show. And this is TSN ten fifty. If you have a question, uh, suggestion, concern, call us four one six eight seven zero ten fifty is the number again four one six eight seven zero ten fifty. And let's talk. I will you are listening to the Greg Carrasco Show, Canada's largest automotive radio show here with Ken Stapen on TSN 1050. The number to call is 416-870-1050. The show is brought to you by Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity. And for the month of February, you pay no HST when you come in and service your vehicle at one of my stores. Doesn't matter the brand. It doesn't matter what you drive. Bring it to either Oakville Infinity or Oakville Nissan, and we will pay for your HST. We know that things are a little tricky out there, so we are stepping up, and we have your back. So there is no need for you to go anywhere else to service your vehicle. Come and see me. We'll look after you. Uh, we will sanitize your vehicle. COVID disinfection, done. No problem. We'll take care of you. Uh, let's talk to James from St. Catharines. James, thank you for calling the Greg Carrasco Show. How can I help? Uh, yeah, I just had a couple questions uh, for you. Uh, yes, sir. We're a growing family. We just had our third-born son. Uh, we do a lot of driving, so we're kind of looking for a minivan and just kind of looking to buy something without having to pay another car payment because I have a 2018 Elantra, but I do so much driving, I'm already at 150,000 kilometers, and you can't fit three kids in the back of that. Oh, boy. <laughs> so what is the question? So what would you buy minivan-wise, and what's the best way to go about it? Well, when it comes to minivans, you you need to determine what you want to do. If you want to pay the least amount of money to have a minivan, there is one to buy. If you want to uh, drive something that's going to last you for half a million kilometers, then that's something else. And they're often completely opposite. Which yeah. one do you think that you feel more inclined towards? Well, you know, we got about 13000 to drop on a car. But, you know, at the same time, when you only got that low 
money to put on a vehicle. You're looking at cars with like 160,000 kilometers on them, and you, you don't know you how much are. life I you're going to get out of it. it you're not going to get a lot of life, and that's the problem. I mean, yeah. often when you buy a vehicle for $13,000, you're buying a $13,000 problem, and that's the yeah, unfortunate exactly. thing. Now, say, yeah. saying that, um, you know, I still think that uh, value for the money is kind of difficult to beat. Uh, if you if you buy yourself a slightly used caravan, um, you know, they they may last you for a while. I mean, my one of my best friends drives a 10-year-old caravan. Uh, the thing is falling apart, but it just keeps on going. <laughs> it just, <laughs> it doesn't break. It just doesn't break down. So yeah. if you have no, if you have no self-esteem, and uh, <laughs> if you have no, no regard for the image that you put into the world, uh, get yourself a caravan. I mean, those things are just giving them away. A brand new one was like eighteen thousand dollars at one point. So yeah. I, I think that you may be able to find something with not as high kilometers uh, from from a lower car manufacturers like you know you know just a caravan is a is a pretty inexpensive van it'll get right. the job done I don't know for how long but it, it'll right. get the job done it'll yeah, get the job done we do a lot of driving we're actually just purchased the house in Quebec but I mean I come back to Ontario so much like I said I have a 2018 at 150 thousand kilometers you know you know what I can do I give you uh, a phone number to Ben my producer and uh, I'll I'll see what I have in coming because normally I don't keep vehicles that are that old or caravans I, I just don't sell them but from time right. to time we do come across some interesting things so if Leave the number there, and if I get something, I'll I'll give you a shout. Okay. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, great. Thank you. No problem. Let's talk to Joan in Georgetown. Hi, Greg. Hi. Long time listener, first time caller. <laughs> oh, thank thank you for calling. That's super awesome. How yeah, can I make I'm, your life better today? Fan. Anyway, um, I, we were just wondering. You're talking about you know car of the year, and yeah, what is the process of determining the car of the year? Well, for for what I understand is that uh, the uh, the Automotive Journalists Association, uh, which is a large number of uh, you know auto critics uh, across the country and uh, across the North America, they get together, and uh, they all are given a it's a, a lot of period of time to drive the car, to see the car, to test the car, and then they have. I understand that there is a questionnaire that they have to fill, and uh, they tally up all the results in in one hub, and then they determine based on the points, um, and and that's how it goes. But um, yeah, there are some pretty interesting people that uh, test drive the vehicles. I mean, I know someone, Jim Kensey from the Toronto Star. He's been there for a long time. He's an automotive columnist, and I know that he is part of the AJAC. And, uh, you know, this is something that they do. Uh, but there are so many things that go into consideration in this. And inevitably, you know, you get the biases of, of the of the reviewer when it comes to that. But, uh, you know, they look at performance. They look at fuel economy. They look at styling. They look at features. They look at ergonomics. And, uh, you know, on that basis, they, they will draw a conclusion. And, uh, you know, the, the margins between the winner and the second place or third place or fourth place is so small these days, John, that, you know, it means a lot from a bragging standpoint, <laughs> but you know, overall, I don't know if the regular consumer would be able to tell the difference. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. So it's the Academy Awards of the car industry. So it's uh, pretty, voted yeah, by pretty, the. Pretty much. There's the yeah. That's you know that that's just simply the process. Like for example, uh, the um, the Elantra was uh, was the runner-up of the um, the car of the year. The Elantra won it this year, and then you have the Sentra. You know, if you put the Elantra and the Sentra side by side, you know, like it, you would be really hard to be able to pick one because they're both phenomenal vehicles. Uh, I think a lot of it is very very subjective, and uh, you know those awards are great when you get them, but when you don't, you know, it's not a good reason to discard a specific vehicle uh, simply because it didn't make it to the top of the actual 
category. Again, a lot of this stuff is just, you know, I, I would say it's just rights, um, you know, bragging rights that car manufacturers uh, get to talk about this and uh, for years to come. But, you know, John, thank you so much for listening to the show, and I really appreciate your question, and hopefully I, I was able to shed a little bit of light into what you want to do here, okay? Thanks very much. Thank you so much, and keep on listening. Let's talk to Carlo and Maple. Yes, uh, good afternoon, hey, Ken and uh, Craig. How are you guys? Good, man. How can I make well, your life better yeah. today? Uh, just a question regarding two vehicles. Yeah. They, uh, regarding, uh, I know the, the value, the, uh, the mileage, regarding uh, gas mileage on these vehicles, like the, the new, uh, the, I don't know if it's new or it's been a few years, the Hyundai top of the line, the Hyundai one, the SUV, and also the, I believe it's a Hyundai Palat or Palais, I'm not 100% sure regarding the name, and they, uh, uh, the Nissan Rwanda. <laughs> Sorry, I, I, I have no idea what you're saying, Carlo. No idea. What, what, are, what are you saying? <laughs> the Hyundai, the top of the line. Okay. What's the Which name one? Of that? I mean, every, every, uh, every SUV within the Hyundai lineup has got a top of the line within that nameplate. Mm -hmm. So which one are you talking well, about? The one, the most expensive one, the Palat. The, the Palisade. Right, the Palisade. Okay, what about it? Uh, comparable to the Rwanda, the the Nissan. The Nissan Rwanda? Yes. Yeah, that, that's a new model that was released um, a couple of years ago, and uh, yeah, they're readily accessible to, to everyone. Um, have you heard of the, the new Nissan Rwanda, Ken? Uh, I haven't, but this is a, this is a first for me. No, I've, uh, the, is it the <laughs> Nissan Armada? Is that what we're talking about? Armada, right. <laughs> is it, you know, I'm not the car guy, so don't. Uh, no, I, 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 I understand this. The, the you know, the thing is, this: if you're going to okay, listen, Carlo, if you're going to call the show and you want me to do an actual competitive comparison between the vehicles, I think that you should give me some, you know, cut me some slack. I need to understand what you're talking about. So, what is it that you want to know between them, between the Palisade, know. the Armada, and the Honda Pilot? What do you want to know? I, the not the Pilot, the Hyundai. Not the, the Hyundai Honda. Palisade. Hyundai. Hyundai Palisade. Right. The Nissan Armada and the right. Honda Pilot, which is what you mentioned at the beginning of the call. No, I said Hyundai. I didn't say Honda. I said Hyundai. Okay. You know, Carlo, yeah, I, I, I'm just getting frustrated. Can you please just hang out with Carlos? I, you know, I, I never know when he calls me what he wants to know from me. I don't know if he's just pulling my leg or not. I, I don't get it. Uh, can you read to me what, uh, what Barbara wanted to know on the phone? Uh, yeah, we'll have Ben do it because he uh, got, actually answered that call. Yeah, so Barbara called. Um, she has a uh, two-door 2015 Infiniti. I didn't get what okay. what model it was exactly. Um, okay. She bought it in 2018. Uh, it came with the extended warranty through Infiniti, which expires April 2021. Um, mm -hmm. She wants to know if there's any other warranties on top of that. There, there are Barbara. Thank you so much for calling the show. And there are some, you know, warranties that you can add. But I don't know if I would advise you to do that anymore because now you are you're going to be paying used car, um, used car warranty pricing, uh, which is a lot more expensive. Also, uh, you're going to have to do a complete checkup on the vehicle to see if it's worthy of that warranty is like whenever you're trying to get life insurance they do a full medical assessment in order for them to determine whether you should be able to have that um, 
you know, the life life insurance. I think it's probably best if I called you. You know, what I'll do after the show, Barbara, I'm going to give you a call and then I can discuss what you have and, and if and if it makes sense. Because uh, depending on the kilometers, depending on the type of vehicle that you have, uh, you, may or, you may or may not need one. Um, because by 2021, the vehicle is going to be six years old, so I don't know how long you're planning to keep it. And you still have another year left, and depending on the kilometers of the car, we we may be able to put you into something else, or 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 maybe you don't drive enough. So I, I will call call Barbara after the show, and we can we can get that taken care of. But thank you, Ben, for reading that. Man, Carlos always just gets in my nerves. <laughs> no, it's a it's well, there is a whole bunch of different vehicles in that segment and perhaps that's something we can get into on the next show is when you're looking at the palisade versus the armada versus the honda pilot which is also one of the options in that segment what would be the best option but certainly uh if you do want to call the show make sure you have the names of the cars that you want to compare down pat because uh otherwise we might not no, understand the comparables. <laughs> we might not be able to help you. Anyways, folks, thank you so much for listening to the Carrasco Show. And uh, if you want to come and see me in person, I, I live at Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity. The offers that we have at those two stores are crazy this month. And uh, uh, don't forget, if you come and service, whatever you're driving at one of my stores, there is no HST for the entire month of February. We, we got your back. Don't forget, there is something happening there at OakvilleNissan.com. Something's happening here.